Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. If we managed to recover the data from, from Chester's armor, if there was any way to communicate that to the people in Miper headquarters, we could use their networks and broadcast it everywhere. Have them send out their own incriminating evidence. It's a it's a receipt for a payment made out to your mom from Miper. I think it's $10,000. Something in the overclocking, the, the shock that he got from hacking into the system, his fast forward on his skip modes has started to malfunction a little bit. The Doorways Tour Group has reached the top floor. You you guys deal with this doorway. I'm going to go run interference on this doorways. As quickly as they came, the Arborists retreat, leaping off the Megabot just in time as, one by one, the orbs detonate, triggering a series of explosions that tear it apart, utterly obliterating it. A cheer echoes up through the open sky of Prismania. You, uh, you reach into your bag and, uh, effortlessly draw your hand out with, uh, Tristan's phone, uh, firmly in hand. Negatona 10th form chrono! Subdimensional timeline slice! <laughs> and he Jesus. leaps forward over top of her desk oh and pulls the sword directly down. It looks like it's gonna cut her in half as she zoops right out of the time stream. In case of emergency, there is this one, like, kind of, like, handle that he can grab and pull. And his armor starts powering up and everything grows bigger. You guys have almost achieved your goal here. And I think that means that it's the perfect time for a disaster roll. Everybody and welcome to the season finale of Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin. I am your host. I am your Slugmaster. Uh, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world, and they're going to introduce themselves for you now. Uh, I want to know what's the longest thing that your character has seen through to the very end. Books, movies, video games, school projects. Take it as creatively as you want, but let's go shortest to longest. Go. Hello. My name is Lena Anderson. I play Angus Franklin. Uh, he is the Guts playbook. He slug blasts with his skip mode runners, which allow him to fast forward in time, although now they're kind of glitching out on him a little bit. Whoopsie. Uh, if this was a matter of how many things have been done, uh, I would not be talking right now. I would be talking last. But since this is the longest thing, uh, canonically, nine weeks, baby. <laughs> yeah, Angus doesn't see nothing through to the end. That's true. Hey, I'm Liam. I play Lake Marsden. She is the heart playbook. She wields the reality cannon. Her right half is all glitched out when the reality cannon backfired. Uh, but also, uh, part of her, uh, established canonical backstory, lifelong lifeguard, uh, swimming enthusiast, uh, just general pool rat. Uh, so ever since, uh, she was the age it was appropriate to put a child in a, in a swimming lesson, she has been part of the, uh, Hillview swimming association perfect hey my name is glenna i play elliot buchanan she is the chill playbook she uses the voidware backpack and she's an aspiring singer songwriter and she has been learning to play the guitar since she was wee and uh is still playing the guitar and is in fact in a band now so i think that counts absolutely 
Hello, my name is David Ray, and I play Chester Capone. Uh, he has the Grit playbook. He has some powered armor. And uh, for the longest time, uh, he's been collecting pennies. <laughs> now, mind you, it's uh, he's trying to get unique pennies from all the different years uh, that have been. And like so he's always like looking for more... It's complicated now that he's in Canada because he can't. It's like, so do I have to also collect all the Canadian ones as well? And it, it's a trial, but he has so many pennies, uh, and that that's what he's been doing for a long time. I like how you I said all that. the years that have been like in time <laughs> memoriam. He's having he's ha- he's having a hard time finding uh, American pennies from. Uh, anything before uh, seventeen seventy six, you know. <laughs> Weird, yeah. That's, that's an odd glitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, my name is Michael Vetch, and I am here playing Nicklo, the Smarts Playbook. He's a sword wielding anime loving adventure boy, and I think uh, in terms of anime uh, within this alternate reality, uh, One Piece started running actually back in the nineteen twenties, and it's been going consecutively since then. <laughs> It wrapped up in about 1993. They had a big, big uh, five-hour finale episode, kind of more like a movie, I suppose. But he's seen from episode one all the way through there. Didn't skip any filler arcs. Wow. <laughs> Wait, sorry, what, when was the first one? Uh, in 1920. So, <laughs> it, went, it went that that footage of a guy riding a horse and then an episode of One <laughs> Directly <laughs> into One Piece, yes. <laughs> it was very big uh, on the early stock market. It was, uh, they showed them in, like, uh, theaters before movie. Like, you know, they used to show cartoons in the theaters and uh, the first episode of One Piece aired before that one where the train come right at you. Uh, and uh, my name is Robin. I'm your host. I'm your slugmaster, as I mentioned. And uh, boy, this podcast is uh, this the season one of this podcast is rapidly becoming my thing that uh, is the longest that I've seen through to completion. Um, and we're only at the start of the episode. So I guess we don't know for sure yet. I could still die before we're done this. <laughs> <laughs> that really raises the stakes on this episode. Yeah. I'm he's a ticking time bomb. I'm bad at, at uh, like TPK uh, taking out the party, uh, so this is the only way I can raise the stakes to turn it against myself. <laughs> Take out yourself. <laughs> Finish the story before I die. <laughs> anyway, the last time we left our heroes, you guys were in uh, a whole mess of trouble, but you had also just about achieved. What you set out to do, your uh, your reunion is uh, almost at hand. Uh, the two groups coming back together at Miper headquarters, ready to make that final play. Um, but there's one more hurdle that you have to face, and it is that disaster roll. I'm ready to get right back to it. Uh, what do you say, team? Are you ready to play some Slug Blaster? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I transport you now to Miper headquarters. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do our disaster roll. All players roll for disaster. Roll one d6 for every two empty trouble boxes on your sheet, minimum of one, and take the highest result. Now, looking at your sheets, there are not a lot of empty trouble boxes here. Um, looks like Chester, you'd be rolling one. Damn it! Nick, you're rolling one. Uh-huh. Lake Lake's got two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot is one. Mm-hmm. And Angus is one. Angus is two because of walking disaster. Ah, uh, there you go. My mistake. 
Um, so you, you're trying to roll high here, but you don't have a lot of dice at your disposal. Have fun, everybody. <laughs> have we got any sixes? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, obviously that's good, but I don't think I've ever actually got disaster roll, so a little disappointed. <laughs> that would have been the time. Elliot and Lake, you are safe. Mark one style. Do we have any four or fives? That's me. Close call. Take one trouble if you have room. Mm-hmm. And finally, one to three. One. Twinsies. <laughs> we both got ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is bad, you remember? Ah, uh, this oh, is bad? Right. This is a bad thing? <laughs> yeah. It's just not the first time we've both rolled ones, and I feel like we're kindred spirits right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to each... Uh, you're gonna each mark one doom, uh, which um, normally is a, is a far away. That's that's future Nick and Angus's problem. But on the last run of the season, uh, that doom is gonna be <laughs> real important, real quick here. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sorry to say for Angus and, and Nick, disaster strikes. So Angus and Chester, you burst out of the portal from Dimension M, and I think you're initially a little surprised to find yourselves in a chamber that seems to be completely empty. I think both of you probably expected there to be some pretty heavy security on this side of the door to stop anyone from sneaking into the research facility, and while you're clearly in a more industrial part of the building than what the others saw, some sort of like basement area with like limited public access, you still don't see any guards or robots or security of any kind. Uh, you make your way up what appears to be the only set of stairs leading out of the basement, and you immediately hear the sounds of a commotion. There's a landing halfway up the stairs where they like turn back 180 degrees, and as you round that corner and look up to the top of the stairs, you can see that the main courtyard is packed with people. There is an ever-present din of talking and shouting, and you can see camera flashes going off sporadically. Uh, you also notice some of the PAL robots trying desperately to herd people one direction or another to no avail. Whatever this crowd is here for, they're not leaving until they find it, and that's when all eyes turn to the two of you. There's an uncomfortable moment of eerie calm, after which the entire crowd swarms and presses towards the staircase, shouting over top of each other incomprehensibly. They're all brandishing small metallic devices, and you brace yourself for a split second before realizing what they are. Microphones. You see lanyards dangling from some of their necks with recognizable media emblems, and you notice some of the figures further back have large, chunky-looking TV cameras hefted on their shoulders. Above the crowd, off in the distance, you can make out a couple of large TV monitors in the Mifer courtyard streaming live footage of the local stations, and they're all showing the scene you currently find yourself in, along with various chirons and headlines, uh, including Infiltration at Mifer HQ, Youth Gang Causes Havoc in Silicon Valley, and finally, Team Miscreant Identified as Angus Franklin of Hillview, Alberta. You hear voices from the crowd shouting, Mr. Franklin, Mr. Franklin, a word! Uh, and just beyond the media circus in front of you, at the back of the crowd, you see two familiar faces. Farnham and Onyxandra of Jet Collective are waving you down, frantically trying to get your attention. What do you do? Uh, I, I will note that when we first, like, burst out of the portal, uh, Angus had his nega ray out. He's hoverboarding through on a new deck that he got from the vault in the extra-dimensional facility. Right, right, the kinetic deck. Uh, so, like, this wild-eyed kid is, like, waving a gun around and riding what's clearly a stolen hoverboard, and all the cameras probably just are pointing at him right now. <laughs> Chester looks over at Angus, because uh, 
Chester doesn't know what to do in this moment. Uh, Chester then also looks back over at Jet Collective, seeing that they're there. I want to try to get a read on like what they may be trying to get from us or communicate to us. I think from a glance, you can tell like they don't look like they're here, uh, like like gloating, uh, and they also don't look like they're like part of this crew. They they look genuinely concerned. It looks like they they are are trying to get your attention or trying to to get a word in with you, but are just like between you and them is a bunch of media people and they just can't quite get close enough to say whatever it is they're trying to say. Uh, Angus holds up his hand and holds up one finger. And with his other hand, he pulls out his M-phone, texts Nick, we've landed, where are you? Text is riddled with typos. (laughs) Then he puts his phone away, puts his hand down, and then starts trying to like shuffle his way through the crowd to get over to... Uh, Farnham and Onyx. I, and I'm I, I'm following in behind, for sure. Beautiful, yeah. I think your phone takes a second to reconnect there because you've just been in Dimension M and we established that, like, it's completely locked down and no signals go in or out. You can't, like, send or receive from Dimension M, but you're back across on this side now. So I think it's just, like, doing that thing where it's, like, finding the network and we'll maybe you go to go to hit send on the text and it's, like, we'll send when, when connectivity enabled or whatever. Um, there, uh, Dave, aren't you, aren't you, like, hulked out? This you? is true, yeah, Dave. You're in like yeah. a giant version of your own armor, right? Uh, that that is true. Um, like I don't want to harm people, and I don't want to. Uh, I I know we are here to try to release information. This is not about a fight anymore, right? So uh, I try. I'm trying to like not harm anybody. I'm trying to be careful with my armor as I'm, I'm pushing through. So I, I think it's just like you're awkwardly seeing this mammoth <laughs> set of armor trying to go through, not hurt anybody, uh, you know, trying to gentle giant my way through uh, towards uh, hopefully allies. Yeah, um, I think I do want to get a roll for this because this is the consequence of the disaster is that, that there's this sort of hurdle here. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it up to either one of you. Like, it can be a team roll or you can roll individually. Um, however you want to divide things up, whatever resources you want to do. Um, but your goal is to get over to Jet Collective to to gather more information? Yeah. Okay. I just so happen to have mm-hmm. a fancy new device mm-hmm. with a fancy new pool of untapped dice and kick. This is true. You risked a lot to get your hands on a new device for the sole purpose of opening up more boost because you had burned through all of the stuff on your sneakers. So it, this might be Angus's role to make. I think I'm gonna uh, mark a die and a kick on the mm-hmm. kinetic deck. Maybe like making the deck a little bit heavier so that he's like as much of an immovable object as Chester kind of is as they're like pushing their way through the crowd. Absolutely. I love that. Let's uh, let's get that roll. Alrighty. 2d6, one kick, and I rolled a six. Beautiful. Um, yeah, you and Chester, like you described, you're, you're now using this new kinetic deck. One of its abilities is to change sort of its mass and sometimes even your mass. Uh, you've made yourself a similarly immovable object and the two of you just kind of 
shove through and and part the seas a little bit, uh-huh. um, and you're able to make your way over to uh, your your associates there. You added a kick to that. Was there a particular extra bonus that you were looking for, or? Um, I I think it was mostly like getting there, getting the information, and trying not to. Be too distracted, I guess, by the uh, the crowd that's around us. Not letting the crowd get in our way. Yeah, absolutely. I think between the two of you, you're able to sort of like push your way through, and I think Chester's all also able to create kind of a bulkhead that you can all sort of huddle up around. Uh, and he just like he himself is a barrier, so you're still being swarmed, um, but you're kind of able to get a word in here. Um, and Farnham's like, oh my god, I'm I I, I can't believe. I've been trying to text you, but I, uh, I I haven't been able to. I haven't gotten any response. Have you? Where have you guys been? Uh, we we haven't been in service. We were in an extra dimensional facility, and we were getting Chester's armor so that we can get it up to the office to, you know, do the thing. How did it go in Prismadia? I I honestly don't know. Um, and I think at this point, I guess that text sends, and also your phone starts buzzing as you get like thirty texts from Farnham. Um, trying to alert you, but but you're here now and it's more interesting to do it in dialogue, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we, we kind of caught Butcher um, alerting the media to your your whole plan of, of, of what you guys were doing here, that you guys were, were launching some coup against Miper, and they must have done some digging and, and found their way here. Uh, so, I mean, he's out of the crew. I, 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 I want to just apologize for... I mean, not just for him. We were shitty too, but but I, I'm seeing it in Butcher really kind of, you know, like seeing your own reflection and not liking what you see. It was a whole thing. Um, so yeah, I get that when I see my own reflection. Right. Cool. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we tried to contact you guys, but we, I mean, we've only ever had your number and we weren't getting anything back. So we decided to split up. Uh, Savitri's helping out the Arborists and, and we decided to come here to see if we could you know, save you from exactly this, but it looks like we're already a little too late. No. No, this is perfect. It is? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. And Onyx kind of looks confused, and, and uh, Farnham whispers something to her in Opera Ablin, uh, and she doesn't look any less confused. And she's like, huh? <laughs> uh, can you guys make sure that Chester here gets where he needs to be? Uh... Yeah, I guess, but what are you doing? Uh, being a beacon. And Angus looks at Chester and says, oh, actually, Angus was going to check his phone first to see if he got a reply from Nick. That's important. Um, we're kind of out of time here, but I'll let uh, Nick, what, what is your response? Um, I think first there's a text from Nick that goes, larded? Question <laughs> mark? <laughs> and then there's another one that goes, oh, you're here. Gosh, we're up in Tristan's office. Uh, we've got an open window, but who knows when it's going to close? Are are you close? <laughs> this is the type of text that Angus does not respond to uh, because the answer is going to be evident very soon. Uh, <laughs> um, Angus looks at Chester and says, "You got to get to Tristan's office, okay?" You got it. No problem. Um, where's the office? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm going to say Nick sends you a pin or something. You're able to see that it's like it's on the uppermost floor. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's probably in the top. Who Angus is going to give his phone to Chester. And so Chester uh, reaches down, takes the phone. Now, you got to remember, my armor is all built out and like it is bigger than it normally is. So it's like it's 
this phone is tiny in the hand. Thumb and forefinger. <laughs> uh, okay. And like raise it to him. I think, okay. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Wait, excuse me. Excuse me. And it's booming because here's the thing that uh, Megan Armor also like micro, uh, like amplifies the voice. It's like going into it's a microphone like a in the air. Thaumaturgy <laughs> effect. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like, excuse me. And it like echoes and like, it like rattles glass and everything. Like, excuse me. Excuse me. And I'm like, eh, I, I get to the outside of the building and I like look up <laughs> and uh, I. You know, crouch down and engage the um, the the leg engines to try really la- launch myself up, uh, hoping that I can get all the way up there. I love this. I wanna I wanna like resolve what Angus is because I feel like if you try to go do this, the media is is swarming you. But Angus sounds like he's got uh, a plan or a play to sort of help to distract from that. So I wanna I wanna resolve that, Please, and yes. then I wanna get your jump. Um, I also yep. wanna get one more little thing in here. Angus, I think, before you mm-hmm. make whatever big play you're doing, uh, Farnham looks to you and is like, any idea why they're after you specifically? I mean, I, I, Butcher's an asshole, but I don't think you would have given him, like, your your names. Why do they, why is it specifically you and and not any of the others? Um, and I think before you can even posit a theory, you notice <laughs> one of the TVs is playing an interview and you can't hear the audio, but there's, like, uh, closed captions uh, that are just like a little bit on a bit of a delay. Um, yeah. And I'm going to read them in in the voice that you would hear in your head, even though there is no audio. <laughs> like, I've known that Mr. Franklin for some time now. Troublemaker. It doesn't surprise me that he's caught up in, in whatever all this is. He's either raiding Miper headquarters. Or I'll bet dollars to donuts Mr. Franklin's the one you want. That's Angus Franklin. I tried to curb those impulses, but... Uh, he was unreachable, even to someone as as patient as com- and compassionate as I am. So uh, I hope they throw the book at that kid. <laughs> Should have thrown more eggs on your car. <laughs> anyway, now do whatever you were going to do. <laughs> yes. Angus walks in the opposite direction of Chester. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I imagine uh, media is still uh, swarming him, trying to get questions, trying to get the comments. Uh, Negare is still in his hand, and he yells out, Miper's going down, and I'm the harbinger. And then he points uh. and shoots a Pelbot in the face. Oh, dang. <laughs> uh. I guess not the face, because it's a hologram. The, the chest, I suppose. The, yeah. The, the chassis. <laughs> it's maybe a little... It, it almost looks like you shot it in the face, because the, the uh, ray gun bolt hits this thing dead center in the chest, but that hologram on the face instantly dissolves like you blew its head off, because it instantly <laughs> starts flipping back over itself and transforming into one of the uh, assassin... Uh, the uh, the predatory assault legion bots, as opposed to the personal assistance liaison. Just want to get that in there one more time. Very proud of those acronyms. Yeah, a little uh, nervous about the legion part of that. Anyway. Yeah, I think the one you hit in the chest starts first, but I, I think the others like quickly follow suit. There's there's two or three of them down in this main area, uh, and they've been trying in vain to shove uh, reporters out of the way, and and now they have a, a clear hostile target, and they all uh, lock onto your signature there. I'm not going to make you roll for that first shot. I love that offer, but uh, we may need some subsequent rolls here as they as they zero <laughs> in on you. But first, I want to check up with Chester. You're making your way outside the building. 
yeah, uh, I'm going to try to like uh, turn around and uh, look up the the building, and uh, I see like where I think the office would be, and I look back towards Angus, and I can see uh, Angus has now uh, apparently shot one of these robots, <laughs> and, and and you said that there were more, yeah, yeah, if you will. Uh, before yeah. I I go, I'm like. Don't worry, Angus, I gotcha. And I grab one of the uh, softballs still duct taped to my uh, armor. <laughs> yep. Yay! And like just launch it. It's going to be the hardest softball you can possibly imagine. Well, with the giant armor. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be launched like a cannon uh, at one of the robots to try to like, uh, give him clearance. Uh, I don't know if I need a roll for that. Uh, yeah, I I think we'll get a roll, but it's going to automatically get that uh, plus one kick from your Omega Drive or your Omega Engine, uh, which will, I think, have exactly the effect you're looking for. Okay, uh, Chester is not trying to go wild. Chester is, is just like, takes a moment to breathe, knows the p- kind of power in his hand, and he's waiting for one of the them to, to come out and go. And he, he's kind of like leading it, you know, like snipers do. You know, you like, okay, yeah. I got to throw ahead of it. And uh, once he's kind of got one, then like, okay, I'm not going to hurt somebody accidentally. And then he's going to unwind. And the reason why I want to do that, I'm hoping patient will uh-huh. come into play, which I get an extra die. So I'm going to roll a, a 2d6 on this. I'll give you that, yeah. It's a four. Um, yeah, that is a mixed success. So you you wind up and fire this softball, and it like goes clean through the chassis of one of these things and just obliterates it. Like there's a uh, softball-sized hole, uh, like it dents inward and pops through the other side, and this thing just sort of crumples and, and implodes. Uh, and you have fully taken out one of these with the kick that you put on that uh, due to your Omega Drive. Um, for the complication here, we had said that there's, there's roughly three of them roaming the, the uh, downstairs here. I think you've taken out one. Your complication is that while they were all closing in on Angus, you now have, you've gotten one of their attention and they kind of like look towards each other, silently agree on something. And while one of them continues on after Angus, the other now makes its way towards you and it's coming fast. These things move very quickly over the terrain. Um, Jet Collective has been kind of like running interference for you like Angus asked they've been like holding back media and trying to like make give you an opening and they see this kind of thing coming and kind of look to you like uh uh what do we do what do we do um I think I'm gonna let that robot who's coming after me and like run into me and and, and attach onto me like whatever it's going to do yeah I'm like oh no and I'm going to now engage my uh boosters and try to jump up while it's still holding on to me. So I'm like <laughs> letting the consequence happen, however, and now I'm just, I gotta make sure I finish my objective, right? So I'm going to uh, do my big old jump up. How does this sound to you? Because I, I feel like that was, the, the thing coming after you is, is the complication there. I think mm-hmm. if you're just like leaving yourself open and uh, and allowing it to come for you. I think maybe you take a slam from this, but then you have full control of the situation and are able to 
essentially grapple it and do whatever you want with it. Yeah, uh, like, you know, I could take a hit on this for sure. Yeah, I think, um, oh boy, what does it do to you? Uh, pow, pounded and lashed. <laughs> oh, that's, that's too good, yes. Your, your slam is, is P-A-L, pounded and lashed. <laughs> pounded and laser blasted. You, you choose what uh, what you want it to stand for. It, it can stand for multiple things, as we've demonstrated. But you have been assaulted by this uh, robot. But you also get your gauntlets on it. You've got control. You're grappling it. And now you're going to attempt to launch both yourself and it into the stratosphere. Sure. It's so, like it latches on me. Um... And I realize I may not have a lot of time. I, I I gotta I gotta go. I gotta finish this up. So I'm going to launch myself up uh, with my armor uh, uh, using the mobility boosters, and I'm going to make that uh, big roll. I'm going to use an extra die from my armor. You get a kick from your Omega engine, right? Yeah, the kick will be there. And I'm hoping that that the extra kick will be enough to like jump me super high. And I'm going to actually use another die from my grit to like try to really push through this despite something attacking me and distracting me. So I have no more resources after this, frankly. So cool, 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 cool. I got a two, a two, and a three. Wowzers. Oh boy. I think that's where we're gonna leave that. We're gonna find out what happens to Chester. You uh, power up the armor and and go to blast yourself upwards and we cut away. Let's go check in with our friends uh, up on the top floor. And Elliot, you're still up in Tristan's private office. You have her M phone, and after a little investigation, you were able to find a small sensor on one wall, and when you waved Tristan's phone near it, the wall slid back and swiveled around to reveal a sleek-looking hidden computer terminal. You found the mother console. Uh, your friends are on their way. You're starting to feel pretty good about yourselves. And that's when, Nick, you feel something small and metallic hit you square in the back, and you feel it burst into a cloud of purple foam that expands and covers you, enveloping you up to the neck. As quickly as it expanded, the foam hardens, but you're able to turn yourself around just before it does, bringing yourself face-to-face with a very angry-looking Tristan Voss. First of all, don't ever try to slice me out of the time stream. The... The things I get up to in the first three dimensions are wild enough, all right? I don't play around with that fourth one. That'll mess you up bad. (laughs) I know I probably shouldn't say this because my company makes a lot of the components that go into them, but those skip mode runners that, like, mess with your tachyons or whatever should probably be illegal. The kids that use those are going to have problems. Sorry, I'm getting all candid. It's a side effect of the extreme rage I'm feeling at getting sliced out of the time stream. Ugh. Oh, what do you think of the uh, mobility buster orb, by the way? Compliments of the Arborist. An old friend of mine used to roll with them for a while, and I held on to that little number. Never understood what she saw in those nerds, but I'll admit those their, their, their toys are pretty great. I've had R&D working on uh, cooking up a knockoff for us, but they haven't quite cracked it yet. At this point, Tristan's eyes dart over to you, Elliot, and she raises a ray gun threateningly. Don't get any ideas over there. I, I only had the one mobility buster orb, but I'm a decent shot with this thing, so I wouldn't chance it. You, you're gonna shoot a kid? I might. You guys are... 
<laughs> in my office. You sliced me out of the damn time stream. You're snooping through my stuff. Before I call security to come and hand you two directly over to rescue or the cops, I don't care whoever gets here first. I have to know what, why, why any of this? What was the plan here? You guys, you guys break into my corporate campus. You break into my private office. You steal my phone all in the name of, of what exactly? And her eyes fall to you here, Nick, and you're, you're encased in this purple foam. Gosh, you sure love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Oh, <laughs> got her. Well, whoop de doo you're here now. You've, you've busted my mobility. But you see this console over here? You see how we've got your, your fancy M phone? Well, it's too late. It's all too late. And Nick is bluffing here. Nick, Nick is very much bluffing here, hoping to, to <laughs> save some time. <laughs> Too late for what? You're what? I, I'm asking you point blank. What do you? What is this all about? <laughs> I thought I'd been pretty nice to you guys. I signed your crew. I gave you everything you wanted. I gave you shiny new devices. I thought it was pretty mutually beneficial. What is? What is all of this about? It's about the balance of dimensionality. The things that you and your company did in the investigation in Ezria, I should say. We're not going to let you go ahead and do that anywhere you want. Uh, other places in the multiverse, there's, there's nothing that puts us above them. You can't just use them as resources. I knew, I knew it. Saw the armor in those videos you guys were posting, and and thought maybe it was maybe it was just a coincidence. But no, I, I knew you guys knew something. God damn it! Well, like they thought I was being paranoid, but I guess I was right to to sign you guys on and get our hands back on that. That's couldn't have, couldn't have happened a moment too soon. So what, you're, you're environmentalists? You think that you're, you're on some crusade to, to save the multiverse? Well, I got news for you. This is the price of business. Technology has a cost. It expends resources. And we can do it here in our dimension, or we can do it somewhere else where it doesn't affect us. You're lucky that my innovation was the one that moved everything forward. I had the forethought not to crap where I eat. In some other timeline, you'd be... You'd be choking on fumes and burning alive at the price of progress. But but here you've got all the benefit and none of the cost. So a little thanks might be in order. Wow. You really do like hearing yourself talk. <laughs> I, I was going to point out the same thing. I'm glad you caught that, Elliot. Yeah. yeah, I'm very observant. We don't have to tell you anything. What are you going to do? You're going to blast a hole in my head because we didn't want to talk? You're going you're gonna to make that foam cover Nick's mouth so he suffocates? Really don't think you could handle that PR scandal right now. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call security. I'm tired of this. If you don't if you don't have answers for me, then you're just wasting my time. And as established, my time is very valuable. So I'll take my phone back, please. Uh, Elliot drops it in her voidware backpack. <laughs> <sighs> Fine. Security! I think at this point, I want to cut outside the office. Uh, I actually want to jump back a little bit in time. Like you were outside... Your uh, your running interference with doorways there, uh, and you had just kind of had a uh, your your mom is kind of looking smiling upon you here, seeing you sort of embrace your role in doorways and and answer these people's questions very patiently. Yeah, what's what's going on with Lake in this moment? Uh, immediately before what we just saw. Uh, yeah, so she her her plan to run interference has been successful. They got time in there. This this crowd is still sort of hanging out in the office. Um, but she has come a long way in her, in her sort of feelings about what it is she will and won't tell her mom about her activities and seeing her mom, like looking at her with that big smile, like, yes, this is it. It breaks her heart. She, she's not going to keep this ruse up, you know, 
even in the thick of it. Uh, so the first chance I think she gets, is she's just going to quickly be like, whatever that weird other guy who is all horny for peel backing teenagers. Jeffrey Glenn Gunderstack. Yes, go on. Yes. Jeffrey Glenn Gunderstack is pontificating loudly about safety and other things he knows nothing about. Um, pulls her, her mom aside and is like, mom, I, oh my God, I can't, I can't, you're, you're smiling at me. Look, mom, I'm not, I want to be honest with you. I'm not here for a doorways thing, but I, I need, I need your help. My my help. I I need your help, but I also I I don't want you to think that I'm I'm here with doorways. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm here doing some. And she sort of like sh- shrugs and is like light corporate espionage. Uh, <laughs> is this part of your Miper sponsorship? I don't understand. If you're here with a Miper thing, that that makes sense to me. Like we're we're definitely here because of Miper. That's. <laughs> Um, okay. our, our relationship with Miper, we've, we've learned some things about their activities and, and I promise you it'll all make sense in just a moment. But, but right now I, I just, I need you to, to trust that I'm, I'm doing something really important here. Um, but I don't want you to think that I'm doing doorways cause it's not important. She, she looks a little hurt by that. Just a little bit. She's like, <sighs> um, right. But. You can't tell me whatever the other thing is that you're doing? Um, I think she does in so many words. Um, this always was a thing in movies that bugs me where I'm like, just tell them what's happening instead of the like, there's no time to explain. <laughs> there's always time to explain. <laughs> with our sponsorship with Miper, we have discovered that they're doing severe damage all over the multiverse. And right now, me and Elliot and Nick... Chester, Angus, we're, we're all hoping to, to sort of reveal the truth to, to the whole world. That's why I'm in Miper headquarters. This is definitely the end of our sponsorship. Oh my god, Lake! P- please, Mom. I, 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 I just need you to back me up on this in, in this moment, and, and I... it'll all be worth it, or it won't matter. <laughs> Lake, no, I, I, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want anything to happen to you. No, no one's gonna Do get hurt. Do we need hurt. to go? We, we can get out of here. In just a moment. I promise. She does not look happy about that. So as you have this little heart-to-heart with your mom, um, and it's coming to a close, I think you start to hear two different things, and and the the doorways crowd starts to hear it as well. Um, One is quite a commotion uh, coming from downstairs. It's gotten louder and louder that like you know it's it's generally a quiet office campus but you're you're hearing the sounds of of people kind of echoing up through that middle atrium and Mm -hmm. uh i think you specifically hear that that uh angus's voice yelling out what was it miper's going down and i'm the harbinger yeah that's what he said yeah (laughs) it's so cool it's really cool you you hear that (laughs) in amongst the din and you kind of see the doorways people kind of start to like Oh, what's what's going on out there? And some of them are like looking like, should we should we be going to check that out? What's and there's like a little bit of uh, unrest there. Uh, and then you also hear from inside Tristan's office a shout of security, uh, and that starts to get people's attentions as well. And I think Lake is is sort of caught in the middle of this. Of you can you can hear things starting to go bad on either side. And meanwhile, you've got doorways here uh, starting to get suspicious. And uh, and I think we're gonna leave Lake in this moment of uncertainty of not knowing which way to direct them or which way to go. Uh, meanwhile, I think let's jump over and find out what happened with our friend Chester. Chester.
Chester, your goal here, you were standing just outside the building with the intent of taking this PAL bot that was attacking you and launching it upwards along the outside of the building and, and hopefully entering at the top floor, entering into Tristan's office. I think your armor, it's you're, you're maybe at this point a little more used to the new Miper armor. You've been wearing that for a while and you can't quite remember exactly how everything works on this old set. And I think the Omega engine probably complicates it, like things aren't quite where they normally are and don't move the way they normally move. So I think what happens here is you go to launch yourself upwards, you accidentally launch yourself forwards, and you go through a plate glass window. You're in your armor, so you're protected, but you shatter through a window and are back inside. As this is happening, you realize your mistake and try to correct it before the, you hit the plate glass window. It's too late, but you <laughs> correct it anyway. And so you send yourself launching upwards, not along the outside of the building unimpeded, but like through the roof. Uh, sure. And we see Chester yeah. travel up like crash through one level, crash through another, crash through another. And ultimately, it, it, uh, your Omega engine is quite powerful, but not powerful enough. The, the, this does eventually slow your momentum. And after, you know, four or five levels, maybe just enough to get, up, get you up into the executive floors, uh, you come to a stop and are just embedded in the drop ceiling of, of an office. I think, yeah, maybe you're on that same floor that the others hit earlier where people were in like little hollow cubicles uh, and they were able to move through pretty unnoticed, but you bursting through the floor and then embedding in the ceiling does get their attention and you see people start to scatter and flee. Um, all this to say, not only are you not on the top floor where you wanted to be, you are going to take a slam from this. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do we call that? Going up. Going up is going up. <laughs> that fills your final slam box. So Chester's uh, Chester's not looking great here. You you are still in the game, but you can't take another hit like that. You're gonna have to nope the next one or risk uh, serious consequences. Uh, Don't mind me. I'm just I'm I I I got lost. Which way is up? Don't worry about me. Look, don't worry. And I, I'm stumbling and I see maybe like an elevator uh, that's up ahead. And I'm like wandering towards the elevator. And maybe I'm like mashing on the elevator, like a hit up button and everything. I'm like, no, I don't have time. And I put my like fingers into the elevator door and like start prying it open. And I, oh my God. arguably, with the Omega Drive going, it's probably not that difficult. It's it's the jaws of life, right? So yeah. you're like, yeah, <laughs> pull it open. Okay, here we go. And I like look up the elevator shaft, and I'm going to um, once I got to try it again. I'm going to try to engage the mobility boosters. Uh, what I'm going to do though is a little bit of that like wall jump thing. So mm -hmm. like I'm going to launch myself up to a far wall, going up as many uh, floors as I can, land there, and then try to launch myself off uh, off of that to try to keep going up as far as I can. I love that offer. If I can, I'm going to take that last hype dice so I can roll with 2d6. I'm, I, still, I still have my armor uh, with the extra kick uh, from the Omega Drive, but uh, oh boy. And I'm going to turn before I go, up, up, and away! And that's me uh, trying to look cool. That's, <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, <laughs> well, that's a two and 
a five. So still not a full success, but it's a kind of a success. Oh boy. I think, I think there's only one way that I can resolve this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you launch yourself up and you're able to sort of, as you described it, like launch yourself up to the highest point you can get and then repel and then onto the next one and sort of ping pong your way up this elevator shaft. Uh, I think at this point you're pretty bruised, pretty broken. You've, you've launched yourself through several floors of an office building in a giant mech suit of armor, but still that's that's got you rattling around inside of it. Mm. Uh, and I think every hit here, every every impact, you, you wince and you feel it again. Like every time you make contact with the wall, it just like everything hurts. Uh, and I think you gear up for that final launch and you can see the top of the elevator shaft and you launch yourself up and slam into the doors. And that one, that one really hurts. You feel that in your bones. Uh, but you get your gauntlets in, you start prying these doors open, and I think it's this final burst of exertion that ultimately is just just too much. It's more than you have left in the tank. Uh, and so you're left with two options. The mixed nature of this success is that you, you get your armor where it needs to be, um, but you are going to get hit with a slam here from the sheer exertion, and you don't have an open slam box, so you can either take the slam, which will, will result in you collapsing out into the lobby in a heap, and will effectively take Chester out of the game. Or you can nope the slam, which is going to fill your trouble track and force an instant disaster roll. Alright, I am going to nope the slam, and and uh, this is my thought to how that would kind of work out. So as you say, I'm bouncing back and forth you know, get, going up the floors uh, through the elevator shaft, get to that door on on that top floor, and I start prying it open with the gauntlets, but the power is failing on the armor. There's not much left, so it's it's just barely able to kind of pry it open, but, you know, I'm, I'm on this precarious kind of place, and I, I need to push my way through, and I'm, I'm trying to do it with the armor, but Chester realizes in his banged up state and everything that he's not going to be able to do it and he knows how much more important it is for this hard drive to get to this floor so he quickly as, as the one gauntlet is there in place he releases his hand from it so the 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 gauntlet is still there and he reaches behind him himself to kind of like hit the eject button on the hard drive uh, from the the base of the the armor and he okay. slides it out, and he forces himself to go forward, releasing himself from the armor. And the door closes as the, the, the last bit of power goes out in the armor and falls back into the elevator shaft. Uh, so, so my nope is essentially, instead of me going unconscious, is, it's that I lose my armor. I love that. This armor that you've only just recently reunited with, you have to say goodbye one more time. As you detach it from your body, you eject the hard drive and step out of the armor through the narrow crack you've managed to make between the elevator doors, and you manage to just get clear before the doors snap shut again, and the armor goes tumbling backwards, swallowed up by the shadows. And I don't think you wait to hear the crash, because... You know, the armor was running low on energy, but you, Chester Capone, are also running low on energy, and you've still got a mission to complete here. So you stumble out into the foyer to a bewildered doorways tour group and an even more bewildered lake. Uh, you're banged up, you're bruised, you're probably bleeding, uh, and you're holding this hard drive, and you're also just barely struggling to hold on to consciousness. And whether you're able to do that 
will be determined by the disaster roll that you've triggered by marking your last treble box. So let's get that roll. You are rolling with one die because you have completely filled your treble track. Ha! <laughs> is that a six laugh? That could be one of two laughs. What? What is it? What is it? I think it's a six laugh. That's a six laugh, my friend. Hey! Oh. Yeah! <laughs> uh, despite the everything, rip. against all odds, Chester powers through, hangs on to consciousness, holds up this hard drive triumphantly <laughs> at Lake. Uh, and what does he say? <laughs> I got it. I got the proof, everyone. Don't worry. Hey, hello. I don't know any of you. That's fine. Don't worry. My name's Chester What's your name? Hello. I don't mind. Chester. I'm... Chester. Give me, give me. Hey, that's Lake. Don't mind me. Hello. Here you go. And uh, and it, 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 I don't Pizza know what you're doing. <laughs> put, put it into a computer. I, I don't know what kind of computer it has a slot for a giant uh, cube like this, but. You, you know what, Lake? You're, I appreciate you and, like, stumble over and, like, put my hand on a desk, try to, like, uh, steady myself. Uh, Lake's mom rushes up to you, actually, and, like, puts your arm over her shoulder and tries to, like, support you. Hey. Thank you. Thank you, Mom. That That's... That was that was the help that I, I was gonna need. This is perfect. I, I love you. And Lake grabs the hard drive and makes a run for the door. Uh, the, the office door. Do what you need to do, honey. Thank you. I look at Lake's mom's. You're a good mom. I think. Hey, God, I want to. Yep. Mm-hmm. She notices a red pouch, like maybe it's dangling from your belt loop or something, and she unclips your first aid kit and starts and opens it up. <laughs> <laughs> the first aid kit that you've canonically had and used on the very first run. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Chester is is finally tended to in the way that he is tended to so many of his teammates. Um, I want to find out what happens when Lake goes through this door, but I think first I want to check in with uh, with Angus down on the main floor. So Angus, you sort of offered yourself up as as tribute here to distract the media swarm and keep them. Uh, out of the way of your your friends uh, completing their goal. So I don't get the sense that Angus is like on his way to regroup with the others. I think you're you're deliberately trying to run distraction tactics here. Is that fair? Exactly. I think the writing is on the wall as far as Angus sees it. He's been singled out. He has been named and targeted. So he might as well lean into that for everything that he can get from it. Beautiful. Then I think what I want to see here... um, Let's get a roll to see how your distraction play goes for you. And I think for once in the history of the show, uh, <laughs> I want to see a montage that doesn't star Chester Capone. I guess for twice now, because <laughs> uh, this has happened once before. But um, I want to see an Angus montage. I want to see how you deal with the threat of these reporters and these pal bots and the the general commotion going on down here. Uh, let's, so let's get a roll, just a broad roll to determine... Roughly how this goes. It is, is it entirely successful? Is it a uh, complete failure or a mix? Lit. I'm going to use all of the boost at my disposal. One <laughs> die from my guts that I regained previously. All the remaining turbo from the kinetic deck. So that is an extra die and a kick. 
I want to look cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm getting another die because of that. You just can't help it. The spotlight loves you. <laughs> so I am rolling 4d6 with a kick. Let's go. I rolled a five. Okay. <laughs> that is that is a mixed success, but a success uh, all the same. Give me uh, a few snippets of this montage. Let's let's. What's the what's the jam? What's the music playing? Uh, you know what? It's absolutely. I don't think this song has come out yet, but it's absolutely the Hell song by Sum Forty One. That's what I was thinking too. Uh, that is just like blaring uh, as Angus kicks off on his kinetic deck, and uh, I think. The first thing he does is he like does an ollie and uh, just slams deck first into one of the pal bots. Uh, using the standard feature of the kinetic deck, uh, make your board super heavy at will, either as an effective attack or to protect it from theft. Uh, so that's one that he does. Um, at one point, uh, you know, his skip modes are still glitching out through all of this. So occasionally things just like jerk forward in his perception but he's just skating in circles around the media mob using his powered midsoles to give him even more speed uh, as he's weaving around and through them and like kind of bunching them all up together. Uh, at one point, he uh, grappling hooks himself up. Uh, I, I don't think there was like an enclosure or any like glass or anything around this. So please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He grappling hooks himself directly into the cylindrical swimming pool that's running across the center of the atrium. Mm -hmm. And he just like vibes in the water, like swims a lap, like a, a circumference of it. And then, you know, one of the Palbots like maybe launches back up and then he grappling hooks the Palbot and yanks it towards him and slams the deck into the Palbot. Oh, very good. <laughs> I think while this is happening, um, this is this is a triumphant moment for Angus. You're just essentially wreaking havoc across the Miper campus as security and media and everyone struggles to keep up with you. And I think it is nearly a complete and total success. Like you're able to lead them all on a wild Angus chase and effectively uh, redirect <laughs> them from uh, going to help with uh, the situation upstairs. Ah, I think the mixed nature of this comes in just a brief moment Angus at one point is is gliding on his kinetic deck. Uh, maybe he's like launched himself up off of uh, a ledge and is like careening over top of some media as cameras flash and people thrust microphones towards him. Uh, and just for a moment, he catches one of those. Uh, we described some big TV monitors in the Miper uh, courtyard there showing various uh, news stations that were mostly showing coverage of this. Uh, one of them was showing an interview with Patterchuk. And I think for just a moment, you see a news program interviewing who you clearly recognize as your dad. And there's no closed captions, there's no audio, you can't hear what's being said, but you just catch that glimpse. And I think Angus is going to take an emotional slam from, from this moment. Oh, yeah. What do we call that? Daddy issues? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dad spotting? Dad spotting. <laughs> Whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mitigate it. Okay. How? Angus sees his dad on the screen, and like Lena, his heart stops. Mm -hmm. And he instinctively taps his toe 
and takes a breath. And then he taps his heel and now he's fully fast forwarding. He's mm-hmm. not glitching, he's turned it on. And now all of his movements are angry. Ooh. I'm going to use fearless. Once per run, you can ignore slams such as insecure, afraid, humiliated, etc. when you do Mark II style. Perfect use nice. of that. Yeah, Mark II style. Yeah, you you catch this glimpse, you power through. Uh, I've, I've uh, not marked that slot. You still have one slab box available. And yeah, let's get a, a couple more beats of this montage as things shift into angry Angus. Angris, uh, if you will. <laughs> Very good. Uh, he races past one of the camera operators, yanks the camera from their hand, and chucks it at another pal bot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he jumps off of the deck, starts running with his powered midsoles, as he is known to do. He... Uh, turns up the, what is that, the inertia on it, Mm -hmm. and flings it as hard as he can at the TV monitor. Oh, it explodes in a shower of sparks. It is, uh, yeah, you you embed your board into this screen as sparks rain down. Uh, Then he just turns around and he just yells, fuck Viper! (laughs) And I think that's the moment we leave Angus in, having successfully, albeit a mixed success, run interference. And I want to cut back up to our friends on the top floor. So, Lake, you've got this hard drive. You go running for the door. You you still haven't seen, like, that call for security went up a while ago, but you still haven't seen any come. I think it's a, a mixture of, one, a lot of the security has been redirected to the main floor where Angus is, is wreaking havoc. Uh, so he has done you a favor there. Uh, for another, the the orb that is usually on patrol up here is, I think, still programmed to be seeing an empty lobby <laughs> um, <laughs> over in the corner. So I think that's the one that would be an earshot is not. Um, and Tristan doesn't have her phone. Um, so, so far, you are unimpeded. You get to this door. I think it's initially like you struggle with it and you realize that like, oh, right, Nick and, and uh, Elliot had to phase through. Um, but it's quickly uh, unlatched from the other side. Uh, and uh, Tristan Voss herself, still holding the ray gun up, opens it uh, and is surprised to see you standing there. And it's like, uh, n- not what I meant when I called for security. And she's kind of holding the door now uh, and is like, how many of you were here right now? Are you all are the other two somewhere? Are there four or five of you? I can never tell. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I don't think she would answer that. I think she's. She, can I? Can Lake see that Nick is covered in foam and Elliot um, is held at gunpoint? Absolutely, yeah. I think Tristan sees you there, sees the doorways, folks behind, and is kind of like got a foot on the door and is trying to not let you like throw the door open and, and expose what's going on in here to a bunch of uh, concerned parents. But uh, but you can clearly see what's going on beyond her. Oh yeah, how do I how do I get this? And is this this is a matter of just like if I get the hard drive to Nick and free Nick, we're we're, we're Gucci. I would imagine, yeah. The 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 smarts playbook probably has the skill set you need to uh, to take it the rest of the way home. I, I was gonna say, yeah. At the first sight of Lake, 
Uh, Nick just calls out, Lake Alleyoop! Oh, yeah, I was definitely going to throw you the hard drive, but I'm, aren't you stuck in foam? Oh, we'll see. We'll see. I've got, I've got, I've got okay, some. Okay, you've got an option. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think if uh, if Tristan's blocking the door and, and I hear that alley-oop, yeah. she goes, yeah, we're all here. And uh, uh, just underhand chucks the hard drive towards Nick. Um, yeah, I'm going to toss toss Nick the, the hard drive uh, and just try to keep Voss's attention on me. Beautiful. I think let's get a roll for that because you're you're throwing your uh, the the last remaining record of what happened there in Vestige. Uh, it's it's a bold move, so I think we're definitely going to need a roll to see how this plays out. Here we go. We already had one miraculous six tonight, and this is a miraculous five. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you're attempting to throw this to uh, to Nick, who is still encasing the phone, but you're you're just trusting that he's got. He's got this. Yeah, I mean, he phased in here. He can phase out of that foam, I'm assuming. Yeah, that makes sense. You underhand toss this and, and time slows uh, as as it goes careening through the air. It's, it's rotating end over end. And we are going to get a complication here, but it is a mixed success is still a success. It heads exactly where you want it to go. Nick and Elliot, you see this hard drive come uh, hurtling towards you, uh, rotating, careening end over end. Who, who acts first and, and what's your play? Uh, I mean, Elliot's free, so she can dive for it. Yeah. Do I need, do I need to roll? No, I think I think we get that from like Lake's, Lake's roll being a mixed success. I think it gets where it's going, and where it's going is is right into your hands. Uh, I think you do have to sort of jump and dive for it. Oof. And I think this is why I wanted to cut over here. I think I see the complication from Lake's roll. I think you leaping forward, just the the quick motion. Tristan instinctively fires, uh, and you're gonna hit, get hit with a raygun blast. Oh sh- shit! <laughs> Is that a slam? Sorry, I I have intuition. Okay. Uh, once per run, you can warn a teammate to avoid a slam just in time. Uh, oh when you yeah. Do Mark one style. Yay. Elliot, <laughs> no! And I think she's just gonna use the butt of her her reality cannon to try to just knock the sh- make the shot go wide. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you call out to Elliot, get her attention, and throw Tristan off just enough that the shot... Uh, Elliot, you, you hear it scorch the carpet right next to your face, and you see a little puff of smoke go up, uh, but it misses you. You don't take that slam after all. Uh, and you've got your hands on this drive. Oh, I guess you would shoot a kid. Elliot, incredible! <laughs> I didn't trust myself enough to catch anything sportsmanlike. Uh, but give me one sec. I'll need that right, right away. You got it, Nick. Uh, and I want to try and get out of the foam. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured as much. I was waiting for yeah. you to make your play. But yes, absolutely. Yes. Let's get a... I believe you have to roll to use that uh, hyperphaser ability, yeah? Yes, correct. Yeah, Lake's intuition is correct. I am going to try and phase my way out of here. Boy, oh boy, four episodes is is uses up a lot of resources, huh? Sure does. <laughs> Uh, I think I want to try and invoke uh, a different aspect of of uh, taking a dare, in which instead of marking trouble to to get the boon from it, you can introduce uh, another problem. Oh, I love this! Uh, so you can ga- uh, add one d six or one kick to your roll by marking a trouble or by accepting a new problem. Dares can be suggested by the GM or any player, including yourself. I think the problem that we're going to introduce here is. Tristan's ray gun, I think, is is an older model. Like, 
your you guys all have have fancy new ray guns that are they have like adjustable power levels you can you know set them to stun you can uh do all kinds of cool stuff with them they have different different energy sources different particles different colors all that kind of cool stuff i think tristan's looks a little bit more retro it's one that she's clearly had for a while and you're you're not sure how deadly it is whether it's like a stun gun or or what um but the bolt from it looks really bright and really hot uh, we described like a uh, cloud of smoke going up next to Elliot's face there. Uh, I think we're going to, uh, the problem we're going to introduce, it's not just a cloud of smoke. I think the carpet there catches fire uh, and it's slow at first, but the, the room is slowly becoming ablaze. And Nick, you are currently still locked in place in a big pile of foam that is connected to that carpet that is now uh, catching ablaze. Um, so this, this phase roll is going to be a little more urgent than it might've been a moment ago. My time has come. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Elliot's bag full of every kind of fire hose and extinguisher. Oh boy. Let's get Nick's roll first, but then Elliot might have something to say about that. So I think, uh, with that dare, uh, the thing I'm going to take from it is the, uh, is the kick because, uh, my ability double dare will give me an extra d6. So I'll be rolling 2d6 with a kick in the hopes that I can take, uh, both take the hard drive and, uh, connect it to this mother console along with, uh, that, that sort of remote access device I had, uh, crafted up for Juniper before. Absolutely. Let's get the roll. It is a four. A lot, of, a lot of mixed successes on this one, you guys. <laughs> a lot of tough rolls on this one. That's fair. Yeah, Nick, describe to me the uh, the successful part of this of you uh, phasing out of here. Yeah, I think just after uh, Elliot has managed to catch this this sort of memory core hard drive and landed in front of him, uh, Nick kind of, you can see his neck squirm around a little as though like he's clearly trying to shift his limbs inside this foam just enough to get his Rift Ninjas to activate. Uh, and then all of a sudden, with, with the force of his wigg- wiggling, he just fully falls backward out of this pile of foam and lands flat on his back <laughs> on the carpet. <laughs> Instead of gracefully stepping through, he just falls back and goes, uh, and scrambles up to his feet to then uh, take the hard drive and, and dash back toward the, this mother console. I love that. I think the nature of the complication here, because uh, we're getting very close to the end. I don't want to introduce too many new rogue elements that can uh, extend this to a fifth episode. So I think what it is, it's that same complication from earlier, the, the room catching a blaze. Whatever this room is carpeted in, uh, once it starts to go, it goes, and you find that there's just sort of a wall of flame between you and where you need to get. And you look back and see Tristan with the gun. You look and see Elliot on the ground. You look and see, like, everything's so frantic. Uh, and I think Nick has no other option but to sort of take the plunge through and and leap to the other side. Uh, all this to say, I think you're going to get a slam on your way to the mother console uh, of Singed. Absolutely. You feel the heat of this uh, just unimaginably, uh, impossibly hot. <laughs> but only for a moment as you dive through. It's like the the, the last lingering bits of the hyperphaser are, are just sort of wearing off. So I'm yeah. not like actually like fully burnt, but like the, the extreme heat and the, and the pain of that. Still exactly. Comes. Yeah. You, you get all the pain, uh, but only some of the, the damage. You, you collide with the wall on the other side, which probably hurts most of all after after taking that singe and slamming into the wall, just like sets all your nerve endings ablaze all over again. Um, But you make it, you're there at the mother console, and with that kick on your roll, you are able to get everything set up. Uh, You get Juniper on the line. Uh, And I think 
handily enough, this this uh, wall of flame is sort of protecting you from what's on the other side. Uh, so we're going to go check in on our friends in a moment and see what's happening on the other side of the fire. Um, but I want to stay. I didn't think I'd say this, but thank God for firewalls. (laughs) 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 That's why I'm on the show. That's all I do. (laughs) Despite that pun, I do want to stay in this moment for a moment as you get Juniper on the line and is like, Nick, okay. uh, All right. Do do you have it? What's going on? Uh, Nick does a quick swipe with his, uh, Negatana and knocks the, the front panel off of it, uh, so he can reach in and, and connect the hard drive in there. And then he's, he's trying to search for another port for this access device. Yes. Yeah. We managed to get the, the memory core. I, I'm just plugging you in now. Uh, hopefully I can patch you right through so, so you can send out the, the, the things. Uh, we haven't fully looked through the whole system, but, uh, but we're, we're trying. Uh, and you hear Juniper's fingers start flying on the keys as she's looking through and she's like, okay, um, yeah. Looks like I got a connection. Uh, it's it's a lot of. Um, I, I mean, I'm not super familiar with the system. Give me a give me a moment. I'll, I'll go as fast as I can. It's it's a lot of diagnostic stuff and and repair software for the for the armor itself. And hang on, I've, I think I found something here. It looks like there's a log. I'm gonna try and circumvent the. Yes. Okay. I've got it. Um, who boy? There's a lot of video files. What do you want me to do here? Am I just dumping all of this? Onto the onto the mother console and and blasting it all out at once. Uh, I, I think in the rush, as Juniper's doing all this searching through the the hard the the hard drive, and Nick is also typing away on the mother console, trying to navigate through to find the way to broadcast from this side. So she's mm-hmm. looking for the file. He's looking through how to actually send it out from the console, uh, and he just says over there. Double check the, the date range that I provided for you earlier. If we can find any files that land within that zone, you should be able to s- select all of those, zip them down, and send them all out as one package. Uh, all right. Yeah, on it. Uh, and Nick and Juniper continue to uh, work in tandem here, trying to get this information out. Let's jump back over to the other side of the firewall one more time. Elliot, you're there. Uh, I'm assuming you've gotten up off of the flaming carpet. Uh, Tristan is still in the door. She's got her ray gun. Uh, she's trying uh, more and more in vain to hold uh, Lake back. And I think some of the doorways folks have now joined as they, you know, smell smoke coming from the room and are like, what's what's going on in there? I don't I don't <laughs> remember. Isn't that uh, the CEO's office? Is there are they having some sort of a. Uh, a barbecue? What's happening? Um, and there's this crowd on the other side of the door as Tristan's like, ah, n- uh, nothing to worry about. S- security? Tristan Voss just fired at a teenager. Ah, uh, that's not, I, I, and she kind of like puts the ray gun behind her back and is like, ah, uh, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, girl that I've not met. I mean, I have met, you're on the, we sponsor you, but I haven't, I'm not. Oh I boy! Can, as a Miper employee, I want to draw attention. Oh, I'm a whistleblower. This just hit Liam as well as Lake. Yeah. I'm a whistleblower. <laughs> I'm going to play a Miper. I'm a whistleblower. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot wants to pull a fire extinguisher out of her bag. Yeah! Of course she does. Yeah, let's uh, let's get a roll for that. Is this which ability is this using? This is like a, a a pocket dimension. Store any amount of objects smaller than a person. Roll to see if you happen to have a common object in there. There it is. Let's get that roll. All right, chill always rolls with two. A four. Whew. One more mixed success, just for good measure. <laughs> you reach into the bag, and uh, I think it it feels weird in there because you recently opened that dimension, uh, that portal to Desneen, and there was a tentacle. Uh, so I think your bag is like a little bit damp on the inside, a little bit slimy. Uh, does, doesn't feel great. Takes you a second to kind of fish around 
through the goop, uh, but you ultimately, your hand lands on uh, what you're looking for, and you pull from the ether of the multiverse, the uh, the familiar weight of that cold metal cylinder, uh, and you, you get yourself a fire extinguisher. You lift this fire extinguisher, and you're about to triumphantly let it loose upon the room. I think you pull it out just in time. Um, you were so focused on like reaching through the interdimensional ether and finding what you needed. Uh, the flames got a little bit too close. Um, and just as you pull this fire extinguisher out, one of the straps of your uh, nylon cinch here, your voidware backpack, uh, catches. And I, listen, I'm not a science man. I don't know much about what is and isn't super flammable, mm. but I feel like nylon would go up. Or at least melt. At, I, yeah. at least melt, yeah. I think it that's exactly what happens. I think it, it takes a little bit of melting damage before you're able to pull it out of the heat. It is not destroyed. I want to make that clear because that would be wild of me as the GM to just be like, you don't get this anymore. But I think at least for the time being, until you have a chance to like sit down with it and repair it, I think it is a little bit out of commission. It's, it's going to be glitchy at best and non-functional at worst. Uh, and it's going to need some serious repairs to get back online. Uh, as you see the sort of the pattern on it is all kind of blurred and smudged together uh, as it just like the outside is just melted into uh, that weird thing. You know, like when plastic gets melted and then hardens and it's like shiny and weird. That's mm-hmm. that's the outside of your bag right now on one side. But you've got your fire extinguisher and I'm not going to roll to make uh, I'm not going to make you roll to use it. Good, because I'm going to use it. Uh, and in the in the act of extinguishing the flames, also uh, just douse Tristan Voss with it. Oh, very good. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oops. You quickly coat the room um, in in uh, a lot of foam being sprayed around this office today. It's a different color this time. Um, you, you quickly uh, blanket the flames and, and douse them, uh, and you spend a good long while just unleashing this onto Tristan. I think it kind of, she's caught unawares, and it knocks her back a little bit. Does and it I think push her through the doors into the lobby? I think it knocks her away from the door and allows okay. Lake and the doorways people to enter. Um, so this crowd swarms in to try and figure out what's going on. Just as the wall of flames is doused and we see Nick standing there, he's finished typing on the keys. He's finished talking to Juniper uh, and he's, he's got his uh, one hand extended and his index finger out over the top of the keyboard waiting to press that final button. Just like I said, Miss Voss. It was already too late. Brings his finger down on the anarchy, and immediately everyone feels their M phones vibrate with a series of notifications as you get video logs from the armor showing an arrival in Ezria as a vibrant, verdant plane. Uh, you see footage of, of robots building an installation that expands into an entire city, this base of operations. Uh, you see Ezria looking worse and worse. You're kind of just seeing like the autoplay snippets of each of these videos as the next one pops up. Um, You see Ezria declining as the harvesting continues. You see monsters rising up from the arid deserts. Uh, You see uh, some familiar looking robed Thenis Spartians arriving and absolutely wrecking shop and driving them out. And you see snippets of Vestige as it looks today, the burned out husk that you know it as. In amongst these video files, there's, there's some like PDFs and, and text files, you see digital copies of work orders and invoices all signed and dated by Tristan Voss. There's uh, an NDA <laughs> signed by whatever employee owned this armor last, uh, forbidding them from ever <laughs> discussing anything they worked on under penalty of like ridiculous impossible fines. 
Uh, <laughs> and all of this is being blasted out to every device connected to the Miper network simultaneously, like a U2 album that nobody ever asked for. It's just <laughs> on, your, on your device now. You all look out one of the windows and you see one of those TV monitors and the story updates from the infiltration of Miper HQ by the dangerous teenage hooligans to the Miper gate leaks as uh, news stations are struggling to be the first ones to get the scoop on this because everyone got the info at the exact same time. We'll learn more about the aftermath of all of this, but I want to give our crew a moment here in the office to uh, settle up any last things they want to and, and tell me how they how they bring this home. Uh, if I may. Mm-hmm. So Tristan Voss sprayed in the face with all of this and like there's that moment of like, oh, she's seen all the uh, notifications coming through. She knows I she's I think not. she even, because she doesn't have her phone canonically, like <laughs> Elliot still has it uh, or yeah. Nick still has it, one of the two of them. So I think she's like, desperately trying in vain to like look over the doorways people's shoulders to see like wait what is it what what did they send what's happening and uh, and maybe she eventually sees it and like oh no oh no 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 like she she knows she's done and now it's like she enters that space of like okay i need to get out of here and she starts running out into the hallway to get out of this space and just as she is about to go, out of nowhere, just like, bam! She is, like, tackled around the midsection, hard to the ground. Uh, Chester gets up and, like, Goldberg with the spear! And, like, uh, collapses onto the ground unconscious, <laughs> like he's out completely. Lake's mom had just barely finished bandaging him up, and then he threw himself through a doorway at a person. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> Yeah, and I think in the in the distance from outside the windows, you can see that the, you you begin to hear uh, sirens. You see flashing lights. I think both like police vehicles and uh, whatever the uh, local uh, LA equivalent or California equivalent of of rescue, whatever their their arm of the secret government extra dimensional research uh, organization is. Like you're you're recognizing both. Uh, Law enforcement and interdimensional authorities uh, converging on the building. Um, I think you also, over the ledge, see your friend Angus still having a blast wrecking shop down on the main floor messing with the media. I think he's getting less attention now that like all of them are getting frantic phone calls from their producers that there's a new story to cover. But he's still trying his best to keep the attention off you guys. And I think you also notice some of those pal bots like Angus has taken out a good chunk of them, but there doesn't seem to be any shortage. And you see that... There are some starting to make their way up as well as after Angus. Uh, and you realize that, like, while you have won the day here, your your time in Miper HQ uh, as as welcome guests uh, or, or as close to welcome guests as you have been may be limited here. You, you may be uh, on a bit of a ticking clock to get the heck out of here before things go from bad to worse. Cheese it. Okay, Mom, <laughs> n- now we can go. Now it's time to go. We got to go. Let's go. <laughs> I think Nick gets back on the line with Juniper now that all, all of this has been broadcast out. And it's just like, Juniper, you did it. That, that was perfect. I, I can't believe all the everything that we needed to send out was in, in that package. You, that, that was exactly it. But it looks like there's, there's a, a bit more heat coming up to, to Miper HQ. How's, how's that ret- return card coming? <laughs> uh, good. I... I... I mean, no promises, but I, I think I've, uh, if, if my location software is accurate, I, I think I got it to open 
somewhere a little more convenient to you guys. Aiming for the courtyard. We'll see if I got it. Courtyard. Got it. All right, everybody. Um, uh, the, the tour will continue uh, down toward the courtyard, please. Courtyard. <laughs> and I think uh, as you exit the office there, you look back and see uh, Tristan in a heap on the floor, having been tackled by Chester, covered in foam still. Looks like an absolute mess. Uh, I think her ray gun has been knocked out of her hand. I think her she still doesn't have her phone. I don't know if you want to want to leave that behind or if you're if you're just hanging on to that. But yeah, she just shoots you an icy stare as you all make your way out and has nothing more that she can do. I think she's dealt with this sort of fiasco in the media enough to know that the less she says right now, the better. And and now is the time to talk to some lawyers. Uh, so she just sort of stares at you icily as you all make your way out into the hallway and back down to the main foyer. Nick hangs up the call with Juniper uh, and makes sure to grab uh, the the hard drive core from, from Chester's armor just so they don't leave that here. Uh, and as everybody's heading out, uh, Nick turns back around as, as the last one uh, to close the door and says, uh, It's been a pleasure working with you, Miss Voss. Uh, I think this might be where we terminate our contract, though. Be seeing you. Again, that icy stare in response. She probably has a lot of things she'd like to say in this moment, but more than anything else she needs. One, a stiff drink, and two, to speak with a lawyer. I think you all make your way to the elevators and are able to uh, navigate your way back down. There's one more slight hitch as you descend the elevator shaft and you are almost to the bottom, at which point the elevator kind of jolts. Uh, I think you're maybe in there with (laughs) some of the doorways, folks, and you're not sure... Uh, like everyone's a little bit panicked of like, oh God, what now? Um, between the lot of you and your various skill sets, you're able to pry the doors open and you can see that you're like, you're basically at the ground level. You're just like a few feet higher than you would normally be. Uh, and you all carefully exit the elevator and make your way down. Uh, at which point you can see what the uh, what the problem is underneath the elevator chassis, like the box that you were all standing <laughs> in, is uh, Chester's old armor in a crumpled heap kind of jammed up in the in the gears of the elevator itself. <laughs> wow. Hey. Um thanks for being a friend. You and I walk down the road together. Um but I gotta go. And uh I won't forget you. <laughs> the as you go to turn away the the elevator like lurches downward a little bit and it like compresses the armor in such a way that like it's it's not doing this but it looks like the arm kind of flops out and it looks like it gives you a little thumbs up <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the pressure of the elevator weighing down in a weird way on the on the way out mm-hmm. the the giant media throng Elliot is going to pull the phone out of her backpack and just like look for someone with a press pass and be like this is for you and hand it off. Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. You're able to do that. You all find your friend Angus down here. And, uh, I think in short order are able to, uh, locate the portal. Uh, Oh, I will say, um, Angus hasn't stopped trying to take out Pelbots and he hasn't (laughs) stopped fast forwarding. He maybe didn't even clock that everyone was checking their phones. Uh, he's in a bit of a rage right now. Uh, so it's, it's probably going to take him a, a bit to I, even figure out anything that has been going on. Maybe in the flurry of fires, you feel a hand on your shoulder. Angus, Angus, 
Hankus. What? It's done. It's done. What? We gotta go. Hey, um, hang on. What? No. Stop fast forwarding. We did it. We did it. You, it's, it's done? Already? Look at, look at your phone. And then follow me. We gotta go. Oh, okay. We did it, Angus. Good. Good. And, like, grab, grabs, grabs his hand, uh, her other hand with her mom's, and the, the three of them rush off. Yeah, you all make your way to this portal. I think Juniper's done a pretty good job. She essentially just tried to, you know, it initially opened into that, that pool running through the, the middle of the atrium. So she just tried to move it straight down by a number of feet to get it on the ground. Um, and I think it's hovering about four feet off the ground. So it's a bit of a hop and you maybe have to give each other a leg up, but you're able to get through it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, one by one, you you head back through the portal and into your hometown of Hillview. And one last time, we head into the downtime portion of the game. all you weird kids it's me your slug master game blaster and podcaster briefly interrupting you for the last time in season one to give you an extra huge thank you for listening to the show and sticking with us for 36 episodes aka an entire season of our podcast aka like over three full days in real time jesus that's a lot of podcast and we couldn't have made it without you our first season is done as of this episode uh, but we'd still love it if you leave us nice ratings and reviews and recommend us to your friends who maybe haven't checked us out yet and can now binge the entire season start to finish how cool is that uh, plus we've got a ton of exciting stuff planned for the next little while including some very cool bo- bonus content uh, and ultimately season two which we are still in the process of planning uh, but it is looking extremely cool and I can't wait to tell you all about it we are at quantum kickflip on Twitter Instagram Facebook TikTok and YouTube so be sure to follow us for new episode updates memes audiograms and more uh, especially with season two coming you definitely want to sign up for that and make sure you don't miss any updates uh, you can also subscribe to us on patreon where for just five bucks a month you can get early access to every new episode of quantum kickflip as well as bi-weekly bonus content we're gonna keep the patreon content coming during the season break so definitely sign up for that if you haven't already. Uh, I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, and we're hoping to stick to that update schedule as much as possible as we prep for Season 2 and also perform a run at the Edmonton Fringe. It's going to be a very busy time for all of us, but we're going to try our best to keep the content coming. Uh, so our next episode will go up on Wednesday, August 17th, and that'll be a Season 1 retrospective and interview with special guest uh, Slug Blaster creator Mikey Ham. So stay tuned for that. And now, one last time, I'm going to get you folks right back to the action, but first... I'm going to throw it over to Tristan Voss's Secretary Orb for some quick words from our sponsors. Well, hello there. This is Tristan Voss's male Secretary Orb here. Uh, just a floating, featureless, silver, robotic, artificially intelligent orb here to pass on a few brief words from our sponsors. Today's episode was brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that they offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. 
You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business, and Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. That's ab.bluecross.ca. You know, they, they got that right when they say that life as a small business owner can be hectic. I realize that I'm not the owner of Miper, and Miper is a giant multinational, multidimensional corporation, so it's not really the same thing. But uh, that's not actually what I was talking about. I produce and distribute my own line of uh, artisanal soaps infused with essential oils. And uh, boy, let me tell you, getting that web store set up buying the, the the social media ads and getting the word out. It's just, it, it can be a lot to deal with. So anything that takes some of that pressure off, I, I'm all in favor of it. Today's episode was also brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing, and this year's focus is on making ends meet in Edmonton. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. That's ecfoundation.org. You know, charity is so important, and it can have such a huge impact. I saw that firsthand when I was on my mission trip in South America, so believe me when I tell you that this is this is a worthy cause, and anyone who helps connect donors to charities, they're all right in my book. All right, that looks like it's it for me. Let's get you folks back to the action. So Elliot, I think on your way back, because you guys travel through this this portal to get back to Hillview, um, so it's not like a long journey ahead of you, but I think um, Jet Collective hitches a ride here. Uh, they, they see you guys escaping through the portal and ask if they can uh, tag along. And, and they, they do ask. They don't just like barrel in after you. They come up and are like, uh, can we... Can we sneak the, is that heading back to Hillview? Can we, there's just, there's way more portal zones back to Operablum around, around your little town there. I, I don't know what it is, but there's just like, there's tons of thin zones. Have you guys noticed that? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a phenomenon. Um, and I think we described the portal as being like raised up off the ground a little bit. Um, so Farnham kind of like looks up at you, Elliot, as you're looking back down from the portal and kind of sheepishly holds a hand up like, Asking for a boost, essentially. Yeah, and Elliot provides it. Uh, I think he actually, he he gives uh, Onyx a leg up, and so she comes first, and then he follows after and manages to drag himself up into this portal. And uh, shortly afterwards, Juniper closes it up behind you, and you all find yourselves... Um, where would Juniper have set this up to exit? It must have just been behind the bleachers still where we were... Where just, you were just... all set up, yeah. So you're all... Yeah. You're all standing outside of Hillview Secondary, uh, the five of you, plus Juniper, plus the two members of Jet Collective who were here with you. Uh, and Farnham turns to you, Elliot, and says, thanks um, for that and for, yeah, just thanks. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. And listen, I know, I know the last time um, when I tried to apologize and you told me I didn't apologize right. Yeah, I- I do a lot of that, telling people that they're not doing stuff right, just because it's not how I'd do it. I, I, I no, got some stuff I need to work on. I, I, it's a cop out to just say that like Butcher's gone, so we're all good now. I, I know that he wasn't the only problem on our crew, but 
it was a little sobering to see just how far he'd go to mess with you guys like that. You're, you're taking down Miper. That's something that we've wanted to do since we started. It's why we started. And, and meanwhile, you guys just go and actually do it. And and we're getting in your way. That's not the crew I want to be. That's fair. Um, the thing is, you were kind of right. And I was also uh, very drunk. So we were both... Mm in the wrong in that situation. I mean, I, I'd say I know how that goes, but just based on everything I know about Jet Collective's whole aesthetic, I, I Farnham is straight edge as hell, and so are all of us. <laughs> 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 the whole crew. We're a very straight edge crew. <laughs> so yeah, can't relate to you on that one, but I, you know, I, I, hear it's, uh, I hear it can be rough. What I'm trying to say is I am sorry. I screwed up. And while I've come around to the fact that it actually doesn't matter whether you accept my apology or not, as long as I mean it, I think it would be cool if we could be friends. I think Farnham goes to say something and Onyxandra speaks up first um, and she says something to you in Operablen. And I don't think you're currently wearing one of those lobe globe translators, so you you can't quite make it out. Uh, And you look to Farnham and he says... I mean, I could tell you whether she accepted it or not, but based on what you just said, it sounds like it doesn't really matter. So let's just say uh, I think it'd be cool if we could be friends, too. Awesome. Thanks. He kind of goes to do that thing where he like, like, it looks like almost a handshake, but then maybe a fist bump and he's not sure how familiar to be here. And he just kind of lightly touches your shoulder (laughs) <laughs> and then pulls his hand away because that's weird. Um, and I think it's just like for the first time throughout all of this, you, you've had this image of like, you know, first they were idealists and 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 role models. And later they were, you know, pushy assholes who who weren't giving you a fair shake. But I think throughout all of it, they've they've maintained that status of like cool. And I think mm. this is the first time you have a little moment where you just see Farnham, like you realize that he's kind of awkward and he kind of... <laughs> That that mystique is shattered a little bit. He doesn't really know how to approach this situation and, and maybe doesn't know how to navigate a lot of social situations. And, and just like the, the curtain is lifted a little bit there. And you realize that maybe maybe how you had held him up isn't who he really is. And maybe it doesn't actually matter that much what he or anyone thinks. Hell yeah. What did we just see there? Uh, we saw the end of my caught in a plot track. Uh, so the last one is called Somehow Works Out. Spend two style. You land on your feet. Game some kind of perk, opportunity, or deus ex machina for you and your crew. Clear two doom, mark one legacy, gain a special. Wildly enough, the the clearing doom and marking a special is, or sorry, clearing doom and marking legacy is is the big one here, because that is going to be immediately relevant. Um, But I'm still curious, what special did you unlock? Uh, I unlocked easygoing. Once per run, you can ignore slams such as stressed, frazzled, etc. when you do mark two style. That's perfect for the scene we just saw. I love that. Yeah, and I would like it if the uh, perk we gain is an increased uh, relationship with Jet Collective. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. So that put us at plus two? No, one? We're at minus one now. I. It's the last episode. I'll give it to you guys. Um, y- you know, your, ne- your relationship with Butcher and, you know, wherever he ends up is deeply, deeply negative. 
and we'll uh, <laughs> certainly come back to haunt you in any subsequent adventures we may or may not have. Um, but your relationship with Jet Collective uh, has has healed, and I'm going to put you at a plus two. Oh, yay. Nice. I think Lake and her mom, uh, her mom went through the portal back home with them. I think just on the other side of the portal, once once the dust is settled, is when uh, it's time to reckon with her mom. And Lake is definitely kind of expecting the worst. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it just, it starts off from a simple place of just Lake and her mom getting out of the, the portal and being like, Hey, you know, mom, I, th- I think that's the first time we've ever gone through a portal together. I, I guess it has. Um... She just gives you a hug, just like, just very tight squeeze. Uh, Lake hugs right back. She's like, through, through slightly bleary eyes. Like, Mom, I'm, I'm so, I'm so sorry about everything. I, 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 I know you just had my best interests at heart and I should have, I should have tried to bring you into, to, to my world and, and what I was doing, you know, the way we did up in, up in that office there, instead of just resisting you trying to, trying to bring me into yours um does that does that make sense uh, like I, I i feel like i didn't i didn't trust you enough i i mean don't get me wrong everything that i saw today was very very scary um and you know i i don't want you to get hurt i i really 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 don't want you to get hurt honey um of, of course <laughs> I, and i understand that but i i think I, I need to trust a little more that, that that you can handle yourself. And even if something something happens to you, you're a fighter, and you're gonna you're gonna be okay. And she she puts her hand on the side of your face with the glitch. Thanks, mom. You you can trust me because I always follow my heart, and I I got my heart from you. Uh, she she gives like another hug, and this time uh, the tears uh, that were welling up in her eyes actually uh, start spilling down her cheeks. Yeah, they're refracting all sorts of crazy light because of the glitches <laughs> on us both. But <laughs> yeah, I think I think just just coming to an understanding, you know, the the, the ham-fisted, you know, uh, dogma of doorways versus the chaotically reckless abandon of Slug Blaster cannot cannot exist coexist peacefully, but good communication between two people who love each other can can really bridge all those gaps hmm. and uh yeah like Blake is crying with her mom as well and that scene um clear for style uh that was redemption and the final uh arc that uh, lake was trying to complete she went through you know the ended with love conquers all with uh angus and her crew but it was a redemption arc for for her and her mom and uh, that is all settled up now everyone gets home Angus walks back to his house he walks back in his sock feet with his skip modes in his hand he can't stop it from glitching if he wants to fix them he's gonna have to take some time to get into the inner workings and reset the chrono dial and all of that sciencey stuff um 
But for now, he just needs things to be on an even keel. So his shoes are in his hand uh, as he is walking up to his house, uh, where the first thing he sees is his brother Garrett sitting on the front porch, smoking a cigarette. And Angus points and goes, Hey. Because he's never seen Garrett smoke. <laughs> oh, jeez. I didn't think he'd be back so soon. And Garrett tries to, like, put it out on the bottom of his shoe. <laughs> look, look. Uh, look, I, I don't do it all the time. I just... I'm sure you know it takes the edge off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cripes, you... You need new shoes again? Uh... Angus sets the shoes down on the porch, kind of in front of Garrett. Oh, well, you still have them. <laughs> At least you still have them this time. That's good. With these shoes, I fast forward through time. I can usually control it. Uh, things got a little ha- out of hand on this last run. Um, but I can just kind of move through things more quickly. Most of the time I do it when I'm bored, (laughs) when I don't want to be somewhere, so I can get out of the situation a little faster. I get you. They take the edge off too? Big time. But, um, I've kind of been carrying a lot of, um, anger and grief, I guess, and pain. And I kind of always thought that, you know, time would get rid of that. You know, there's like a saying or whatever, time heals all wounds. Heals all wounds, wounds. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Live, laugh, love, good vibes, whatever. (sighs) Don't let mom know. She'll put up another sign in the kitchen or something. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't. It just kind of dulls it. And I've been kind of leaning on that, I think, for too long. I realize uh, I probably haven't been doing much to uh, help with any of that healing at all. I, uh, <laughs> Whatever. You, as, as, your, as your brother. and <sighs> You kind of filled a role that suddenly went missing, you know? Like, <laughs> but, uh, that's, the other two are a handful, okay? That That's never what I wanted, though. I mean, I know I could never be dad, but I wasn't trying to be, but I I think I just ended up pushing you out because you were old enough to feel the same things that I was feeling. The other two, they, I'm sure they're still confused in their own way, but they, they weren't quite old enough to, to be in it the same way that we were at the time. And I just don't know how you and mom handled it because the only way that I handled it was fast forwarding through it and even that wasn't handling it. I'm not, I'm not strong enough the way that, uh, And Angus looks a little bit flustered because this is the closest thing he's ever come to saying anything nice about Garrett, I think. I'm not strong like you are. Hey, now, 
and Garrett like stands up from from the steps and 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 sort of takes a step forward and he's not sure if he can like I think the last time he approached you in this way is when he like pushed you up against a wall. Yeah. He's like, uh, we don't really have like a hugging thing here. Uh, and I think he just fishes into his back pocket and gives a quick shake to his, in the pack of cigarettes he has there and holds it out to you and says, Hey, look, I'm plenty weak. We all have our own crutches and man, I should have just been there to to help be one for you. Not not a crutch, but a a support. Angus takes the cigarette and he says I think that would be a good thing for both of us to remember. And uh ah shit. <laughs> you watch that mouth of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at the news. Um, oh, I've been... I've seen plenty so far tonight. <laughs> good. That means Mom has too, right? Yeah, we... Uh, Damn We it. were watching yeah. most of it. I... Okay, good. Um, <laughs> do you have a light, by the way? Because I, I have misplaced my light. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, look, uh, let me I let replaced me get you it in, in my here, other gear uh, with a space-time ampermeter anyway. <laughs> I'm sure that makes sense to people your age. I... Uh, <laughs> no, not a generation gap. I, he, let, let, let me. I got you. I got you. Listen, if you want to be a support for me, then um, I don't want to ask this, but I think I need to. Um, God, I think I do need new shoes because I think I want you to take these ones from me and um, keep them from me. Are you sure that's what you want? No. No, not at all. Uh, I hate er every fiber of my being is is really wanting me to not do this. Not what um, you want, but, but, I, but maybe what you need. Yeah. Don't. Mom's gonna hang a thing on the kitchen wall. No, no, don't. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do this for you. And, and anything beyond that you need, I'm. I want to help you out, bro. Garrett picks up the skip modes. Thank you, Garrett. Anytime. Uh, and then I think we uh, finish smoking our cigarettes and uh, uh, go inside where Angus's mom is undoubtedly watching, watching who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> Garrett, Angus, come here, come here, come here, come here. I, I'm watching it. I would love to, for you to watch it with me. I can't get some of these questions, but, uh, you know, I, I would love for you to be, watch it with me there. And, uh, you know, cause, you know, like, look at, look at this guy here. Uh, uh, Mr. Philbin is asking some tough questions here. And, uh, you know, jump, get here. And, like, she pats the, uh, the, the, the seats of the, <laughs> uh, the couch beside her on both sides. Uh, I think. Angus looks shocked and confused for a moment, cause like he knows, he knows she's been watching the news. She knows what's been happening, um, and then he decides not to read too much into it, and he goes and sits on the couch next to his mom and rests his head on her shoulder. I think that's where we leave that scene. Um, what did we just see there, Angus? That was all the small things, clear for style. 
a scene where you reflect on a memory, enjoy a perfect moment, cherish a memento, connect with a friend, reconcile with your brother, give up your emotional crutch, <laughs> mark one legacy. Perfect. More legacy on the track for the, the, the final roll. And I am about to max out my legacy track. Heck yeah. For I would like to spend three more style on major personal legacy. And it's so stupid what I have in my head, but uh-huh. I also feel like it's so fitting. One of the like quotes, like the 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 headlines in like those bottom thirds of the TV feed, uh, was Angus's quote: "Miper is going down, and I am the harbinger." Uh, so for the rest of the school year, uh, everyone at high school calls him the harbinger, and he thinks it's so cool. That rules. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, mark that legacy. Does Angus get a patch for that on his on his vest? Oh, baby, you better believe it. It's just like scrolled on some fabric in a cool font-ish looking thing, and then like a safety pin to his vest. You know what it is? He, t- he, he repurposes an old t-shirt, and like scribbles I am the harbinger and then just pins the entire uh, panel of it to the back of his vest. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess after a lot of congratulating and, and everything at the field, everyone sort of heads their separate ways and Nick takes the uh, what seems like a, a long ascent up to the up to the higher floor of the, the apartment building to get back to their to their home uh, when he's not just walking up the side <laughs> of, of the exterior um, but he takes the stairs up and I think just has to take a moment outside the front door of their apartment with his mechanical pencil gripped tightly in his hand and he takes a nice deep breath before walking through to home and as you walk in, your mom is is there, and she initially doesn't even uh, look over as you enter, uh, and you see that the TV is on, uh, and she has been watching the news report as it uh, first covered the the big scoop of the the infiltration at Miper HQ, followed shortly by the Mipergate leak, and you see her just staring at the screen there. But she eventually does look over in your direction. Nick, uh, hi, mom. Oh, Nick. Oh, saw you on the news. I was so worried. I'm so, I'm sorry to make you so worried. And, and he just immediately from that sort of stock steady, like the still position he was at in the doorway, r- rushes across the room and, and, and gives her a hug. And she hugs back very tightly. Lots of mom hugs today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know you didn't want me to get caught up in any more of this stuff. And, and I, I just kept going and... Mom, I, I have to come clean. I, gosh, when Uncle Terry said I needed to do this, I, I, I thought it would be easy enough to do. But it, it, I've still been lying to you for a while now. I, even after you took my sword away, I, I, I still made another. And, and at that point, he he clicks open the, the pencil into the negaton and lays it down on on the coffee table. Oh. I, I, I never wanted to do things that would. It make you upset with me, and but I just when when Dad passed away, I I felt like there was nothing that I could do, and part of me just wanted so badly for me to be able to do something now. So I I kept pushing and I kept trying, but 
in the end, none of that was worth it. It was all just... It was all just in my imagination. Oh, honey. And she kind of, like, sits you down on the, the couch next to her. I'm sorry that I kept going against what you what you were asking me, and I... I realize I, I need... I just need to... I just need to pay more attention to, to what we're doing now. To, to be happy enough being here with you. To, ha- having a great mom and, and a loving uncle and, and, and great friends at school. And You still want to know, don't you? I know I always will, but I, I went right to the, the highest source I could think of and I... You mean Miper? Uh, yeah, I... I guess you saw in the news that there was a break-in, and that that was that was us. That was. Uh, what did you find? I, I I don't know. I couldn't find anything about Dad. There. Wait, there was a weird. There there was a weird transaction log of 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 something with your name on it, but I I, I couldn't make any sense of it at the time. It, it didn't. Uh, okay, Nick. I suppose lies by omission are still lies. And since you just told me a big truth, I'll tell you too. Especially since Miper's going to have their lawyers worried about other things and not about me. (laughs) And I think at this point your mom walks across the room and moves aside uh, a picture frame that you've, you've never seen moved aside and enters a combination into a little safe. And from that safe, pulls a ledger and some some manila envelopes and comes back over and sits down. And you can see what she's got there is is banking information, the uh, the account info and whatnot for this this money that she received from Miper. We have a wall safe? Mom, that's so cool. Sorry, unimportant, not important, not important. Sorry. <laughs> well, you asked me a while ago to tell you again how your dad died. And while I told you the truth, I left out some details. Miper had just installed their new relay towers in the town. They were brand new. People were scared. They thought, what does wireless transmission mean? Is there radiation poisoning? Is the government listening to everything we do? There was a lot of fear. People were worried. Then one night... Your dad was, he was driving home, he was on the highway near the gravel pits, and he hit some black ice, spun out, and hit one of those relay towers. Miper wasn't at fault. If he hadn't hit the pole, he would have gone over the embankment into the gravel pits. But they were worried, I think that they would get associated with the accident anyway. And that it would, um... It wouldn't help the negative PR they were dealing with. So, they offered a settlement to me in exchange for signing an NDA. And that's what this money is. And I think, Nick, in that moment, it it hits you. You realize that Miper genuinely didn't know that your dad was onto them. 
In fact, they had no idea who he even was, whatever your dad had figured out about Miper, however close he had gotten to the truth. None of that had anything to do with him not coming home that day. In the end, his death was exactly what you were always told it was. An accident. Completely random. I think Nick... I think he, I think his mom passes him the, the ledger and, and the envelopes, and, and he can sort of, like, hold them, look through. And he just sort of sits there quietly, and... Eventually he gets back up, and he... Uh, goes and places it all back in the safe, and then uh, moves the paint, the picture back to its normal position, and comes back and gives his mom another hug. And just says, "Thank you for telling me. I'm I'm glad I have the uh, the full picture now." I'm sorry, sweetheart. I miss him, too. I know. But you're right. We have each other. And we have Terry. And you have your friends. You're still getting grounded, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, I understand that. Um, do, you, do you want this sword, too? Um, is that part of the grounding? Is, is, do, do I need if to... you keep making swords, there's no real point in me taking them away, huh? I mean, if you really wanted me to stop, I, I I could try. I don't think it's like a compulsion or anything, but I mean, they're very handy to have. And well, I don't know if I if I keep slug blasting with, with weird gravity, then gosh, I'm a heck of a lot safer with it in a weird way. Tell you what, you'll get it back in two weeks. Understood. <laughs> okay. Come on. Help me make dinner. And you're sure I can't I can't use this sword to, to cut up stuff for dinner? I, I think it's way faster than <laughs> yes, any of our kitchen Nick. knives. I mean, oh, okay, okay, two weeks, two weeks, yes. I want to know what that scene was, but I want to throw in one more little detail here just to put a bow on it. I think maybe it's later over the course of dinner. You're um, chatting a little more uh, congenially now that you've everything's out in the open. Um, and at some point, Nick makes some crack about how why they're living in in such a shabby apartment albeit one with a with a wall safe um when they <laughs> apparently have ten thousand dollars of miper nda cash um and your mom explains to you why she never told you before which is that that money is nick's college fund she knew nick was a bright kid and wanted to give him a shot at a real future and she also knew that you had always struggled to make ends meet as a household, and there was no way she was going to be able to put that money aside on her own. And she knew that if you knew about that money just sitting there, that you would have insisted that they spend it, that they that she treat herself, that she take some of the pressure off, and she couldn't let you do that. So she's kept it a secret from you all this time. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what scene did we just see there? Uh, that was, uh, similar to Lake, Redemption. Spend for style. Who makes the first move toward forgiveness? What have changed? How do you treat each other differently now? Clear to Doom, Mark 1 Legacy. So uh, what you see is uh, a series of scenes where Chester is like, putting in cassette tapes and uh, hitting record and then, you know, listening back to it. And then another clip of him, like, 
planning out the cassette and everything like that. And uh, as the, uh, the montage comes to an end, we join him in his uh, bedroom closet as he's going to uh, record the outro for uh, his most recent Chester Groove Station. He's got like one of those old recording things where it's uh, not really meant to record voices, but it has a microphone and he hits uh, the play and the record buttons together. And... All right, well, that was Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran, uh, one of my mom's favorite songs. Uh, and I thank you for listening to this tape. Uh, it was nice to be able to share some stories about my mom so I can remember them later because sometimes I forget stuff, so I should record this now. Um, and, you know, it's been really interesting being with Weird Gravity. They've helped me, um, you know, really come out of my shell. Uh, I, I would keep stuff to myself and it, it got me in a lot of trouble. And so I think that's why... I wanted to share some stories about my mom, some of our favorite songs, and um, thanks for listening. Uh, you may lose people in the past, but, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not with you. Um, well, until next time, ciao for now. And then uh, he hit stop on the tape. And he pops it out of the recorder, and it's actually the um, erased tape of the Enya tape that he had. And he slips it into, you know, its uh, jewel case that, you know, he's made a, a little thing for it, where it's uh, Chester's Groove Station colon Memories of Mom. Aww. Aww. That's That's adorable. What, what scene did we just see there? The last one, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't need a, anything. I'm all full up on just a uh, little beats. Just, just a little, little uh, close it off. That's perfect. I, lo- I love that. So, in the days and weeks that follow the media dubbed Mipergate leak, uh, a few things happen. First, most obviously, you all receive correspondence from Miper letting you know that your contract with them has been abruptly terminated. I think Nick said as much in the scene, but uh, Miper has <laughs> has made it official and legal. You are no longer a Miper-sponsored crew. That should go without saying. <laughs> in light of everything that has been leaked here, both all of the past crimes in Ezria slash Vestige and the subsequent discovery of, of what Miper has been up to more recently, battling with the Arborists and, and having a pretty devastating effect on the plane of Prismadia, Tristan is removed as CEO of the company. Shortly thereafter, 192 countries sign on to the Ezria Agreement, which imposes strict re- regulations on technology, interplanar travel, and interdimensional infrastructure. Those parental controls that they were talking about in this run, where they were they were chatting with doorways about about new features that could force peel back. At least for the moment, those are not launched. You don't you don't hear another mention of them uh, after this whole incident. I think Miper is in uh, scramble to sort of fix their PR and try and bounce back from this in any way, shape, or form. The newly appointed CEO, who I'm just gonna 
go ahead and call it. It's the silver orb that was Tristan's assistant. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Really, really climbed that corporate ladder. Um, the new CEO gives a bunch of press conferences and promises to develop new sustainably sourced negafriction. Uh, the new uh, Ezria compliant devices that they subsequently release are pricier than the old models, and Miper's market value subsequently jumps as a result of this whole <laughs> um, new initiative to to comply with the new green regulations of the Ezria Accords. They do, however, funnel some of that profit into the Vestige Restoration Project, uh, which is a partnership they have with Drow. Uh, the project vows to undo as much of the damage caused as possible and eventually try to restore the dimension to what it once was. So far, however, very little progress has been made as every research team sent over has been just terrorized by giant monsters. So going has been slow thus far. <laughs> but that could all change shortly. A coalition of slug blasters and activists, including members of Jet Collective, have offered to partner with the initiative to help them set up a foothold in Vestige and to continue their research. Uh, as well, there is a huge benefit concert, Esri Aid, uh, which is hard to say, uh, to raise funds for the restoration project. Headlined, of course, by Ramona Nova, but she secures a prime opener spot for Paula the Ape Woman. Your friend's subsonic sentinel, friends might be putting it strong, uh, get a sponsorship of their own, and uh, they take every opportunity to rub it in your face. Uh, they are the new sponsored slug blasting crew of Hillview's own Video Hut. <laughs> um, it mostly amounts to just unlimited free rentals and no late fees, but they really hold it over your heads that they're sponsored and you're not. Oh my God. <laughs> the fact that Nick would have to serve them with that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not all high points in this little epilogue. <laughs> uh, once Miper has sort of done some damage control, they've ousted Tristan, they've started to move towards this green shift, they do unveil their own new sponsored crew. Um, the Wicks are now the face of Miper in your place. And thinking back on it and, and how they were conveniently there in Operablum to tell you exactly what you needed to hear to take the contract, you wonder if maybe they always have been Miper's crew, but that's neither here nor there. It's official now. Weird Gravity, on the other hand, gets uh, quite a bit of attention from this, but not a lot of sponsorship opportunities. Sponsors seem a little cagey about going into business with you after seeing what happened to your last business partner. That may change down the line, but at least in the immediate aftermath, not a lot of, uh, the phone's not ringing much to uh, get into business with weird gravity. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, your clout definitely goes up from this. Uh, and to symbolize that on the crew tab here, I'm going to, in addition to the crew style and your own style that you have at your disposal, I'm gonna tick these last two boxes in your current fame level to push you over to rising stars. The last level before going pro. The boost in your profile affects each of you differently and affects the crew as a whole, and we're about to find out exactly what that looks like for each of you and for Weird Gravity. Alright, so in Slug Blaster, when you get to the end of your campaign and the end of your season, as it's often referred to, um, there is an epilogue role. You guys have been uh, collecting style uh, and Trouble, which translates through your various downtime marks into Legacy and Doom, which we described early on as like Super Style and Super Trouble. They're like the thing that carries with you through the whole game uh, and will eventually come into play and matter. Um, and what do you know? We're at the point where they matter. At the end of the season, uh, everyone is going to roll against the, the uh, Legacy and Doom 
to sort of find out what happens to their character after this. So in the section marked epilogue, it says, first decide how much time the epilogue will cover. The GM has final say. I was going to pitch that you guys kind of ended your adventure in the spring. I think we had it kind of mid-April-ish was where we sort of all of this last stuff went down. So I like the idea that the epilogue covers until the end of the school year. I think yeah, end of the school that. year makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're all good with that, the epilogue is going to cover, you know, roughly two to three months to the end of the school year. So for every two doom points you have on your sheet, roll 1d6 to determine the epilogue's low point. And then you're also going to roll 1d6 per two legacy to determine the epilogue's high point. And then we have little tables here that sort of guide that. Um, And then we'll describe what happens to each character. So Liam, you've rolled your low point and your high point. What do we want to start with? Uh, yeah, so my, my low point, I, I rolled a four, but for my high point, I rolled a six. And so I think maybe starting with the high point, because uh, I can tie it back as well to our crew style, where we have uh, unlocked a quantum hangout as part of our crew style uh, uh, payoff. Um, so yeah, describe to us uh, Lake's high point. Yeah, the high point, living the dream, fame, popularity, money, uh, contributed to science or just complete happiness, doing what you love, you get what you wanted most. Uh, and I think... Uh, uh, a couple months out from this whole debacle, uh, you know, as school is coming to an end and, and Lake is looking forward to the summer, she resolves things with her mom. She takes a page out of her mom's book and, and realizes that, like, surrounding yourself with, with the people you care about is the, the best way to, to get what you want. Um, not just weird gravity, but in this case, um, I think Lake uh, helps establish this, this new quantum hangout for all the kids in Hillview. It is a pocket dimension that exists in the quarry, the rock quarry, where we have our first party. The gravel pits, yeah. The gravel pits, From episode uh, one, two, right at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, And and Halloween, too. I think it's where we we, uh, discovered the the greased sandwich uh, philosophy. New Year's, there there was the battle with the Bat King was around there. Precise. This place is loaded with multiversal energy, and so it's a natural place to uh, establish a uh, sort of multiversal hangout. Uh, and so, uh, at the right angle, uh, it looks like a rock quarry, a gravel pit. Um, but if you just go down the right slope at the right speed at the right angle, kids all over can break through and, uh, reveal the Hillview Slug Blasting Association, the HSA, <laughs> serving all of this section of Alberta, frankly, um, kids from Grand Meringue even come hang out here. <laughs> uh, and it's got everything. It's a humble place. It's not like a huge, you know, we don't have Miper money, but uh, sort of existing outside of time and space is a clubhouse where, uh, you know, you can work on your board, trade parts, fix parts. Uh, there's a, um, I think maybe a half pipe uh, built in uh, and then some some sort of hangout, uh, old couches, um, other things. Uh, I'm not sure what dimension this is in. I think maybe it is just a, d- a dimension of, of derelict warehouses. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, I love that. Because I, I think the, the gravel pits were heavily tied to the weight of Vestige. Um, and maybe it, maybe it is in Vestige. Uh, maybe in, you know, while uh, that uh, Ezra reclamation project is happening, you guys are off in your own little corner in the sand dunes. Uh, you found this abandoned warehouse to do this. Or maybe it's in, like, an adjacent, like... You know, uh, it's an infinite multiverse. Maybe there's a, a copy of a copy of Vestige that that suits your needs. I'm getting big, like uh, um, 
not to get too referential, but like the Ninja Turtles live action movie, the Foot Clan Hangout, where uh, everyone's, you know, riding the half pipe and there's loud music playing yeah. and Sam Rockwell's offering you menthol cigarettes, that kind of thing. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> um, except it's not menthol cigarettes, it's... Uh, um... Uh, cheese steaks, uh, snack of <laughs> snack of choice around these parts, um, and and Lake is is uh, Mrs. Popular around here because she helped found it, she helped build it, um, and she represents the interest of slug blasting uh, across all of of Hillview and and also you know influence on my page, influence on the throughout the multiverse. But here, this is kind of like her her home base, and hopefully everyone else's home base. We'll find out who who wants to hang out with her here. Um, but yeah, Lake, uh, Lake establishes a, a slug blasting association, uh, to try to legitimize, uh, the, sp- the sport, the activity, and to sort of, uh, uh, encourage people to do it safely, correctly, um, but while still keeping, kind of using her cool credibility to keep it legit and not, you know, just another doorways, right? I love that. Uh, in fact, maybe even, even finds herself, uh, you know, doorways is, is speaking at public events and she shows up. Uh, in like a jacket uh, with shoulder pads and is ready to speak on behalf of the interest of local slug blasters. <laughs> I think it's it's probably fair to say that your mom has reevaluated some of her position there. Like, I think she saw kind of how quickly the Doorways members were getting on board with like forcing peel back and other kind of like awful stuff um, in, in uh, their tour of the Mipra headquarters. They, they were like, in the interest of protecting their kids, they were willing to do some pretty serious damage to their kids. Uh, and meanwhile, Miper, the sort of face of of slick legitimacy and and corporate concern, turned out to be doing some pretty serious damage. So I, I think your mom has maybe like I, I don't know that anything will ever stop her from meddling and being a busybody, but I think she's maybe mm-hmm. like dialed back her connection to doorways specifically and is reevaluating. Maybe a lot of that anti slug blasting energy has um, been sort of retooled into anti anti-corporate energy and she's like big on like making sure that that corporations aren't taking advantage of the youth and and like corporations are held to safety standards and stuff oh yeah like a consumer advocate yeah exactly yeah yeah because as your as your grandma once stated like she's always got her her cause her her pet project and so she -hmm. was never going to stop meddling but it's it's kind of at least at the moment, it's aligning with your interests to a greater degree. Exactly. And Lake, Lake is the same way. So she's she's walking through this space just like, hey, hello. Oh, looking good. Oh, the, oh man, that kick trick has really improved. Keep up the good work. Oh, careful with that soldering iron. Here, you want to hold it this way and make sure you got the glasses on. Great. Blast that coil against that disc. You've got you to <laughs> click your coils into your discs, you know? Uh, hey, everybody. And she's like high-fiving people. Uh, and as she's walking through... Um, she steps into uh, one of the single stall uh, girls' washrooms uh, and uh, goes to just kind of splash some water on her face, uh, powder her nose, as it were. I don't know what goes on in girls' bathrooms. Um, <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, she she looks in the mirror. She can see her glitch uh, on the right side of her face. She's feeling very much herself. Uh, and this is also where I want to uh, hit you with my low point. Yeah, so what did, what did you roll there? I got a four for low point, so a, a long road, a big setback, stuck in a rut, humiliated, grounded for a year, difficult changes, something coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is here, as she has been soaking in the glory of, of her new sort of influence, reveling in what she has built with a reared gravity, she uh, looks in the mirror, sees her glitched face, dunks her head down into the sink to just sort of splash some water on her face. And as she comes up for like 10, maybe 15 seconds, the glitch is gone. 
and she she shakes her face like, wait, what? No, and it, it comes back almost like a like a TV that won't stop staticking. Like you know, you get it for a while, and then it goes back to to yeah. you know, getting poor reception or having the weird you know whatever whatever problem your TV is having. It comes and goes, and she's like, oh, maybe this isn't as permanent as I thought this was gonna be. And and it kicks back in, and she looks like herself, but something she had never really considered that, that there might come a day where this is no longer uh, an issue uh, and that day might be happening sooner rather than later yeah i think it it doesn't happen all at once exactly like you said it, it sort of flickers in and out um and maybe it, it happens at odd and inopportune times you know maybe when she's getting up to give one of those talks at a doorways rally as the face of the hillview slug blaster association and the famous glitch girl um and you know Right before she's about to get up on stage, it flickers away and, and uh, leaves her looking not quite like herself and, and kind of weirdly, because I feel like for a lot of kids, this would be this would be part of the high point. This would be a positive thing. But I think Lake has now come to accept that as part of her identity and sort of embrace it. And just as she does, it's being slowly pulled away from her. Does it fade completely? I think no. I think it's an on and off thing that she's she's not sure if she's going to hide hide it. Uh, if she's gonna embrace it, if this is, she doesn't know how she feels. And um, we're only covering till the end of the school year, so maybe that question is yet to be answered. Yet, yet to be answered. But you know, at this rate, by by school next year, she may very well not have it. There we go. Nick. Which did you want to start with, high or low? I think I may also go high first. Uh, yeah, what'd you roll? Uh, I had rolled a four. Uh, so four for high points it lists a new friend, an old friend, reconnecting with your family, progress toward a goal, rebuilding, keeping at it. And I think part of that is is sort of a return to form for Nick and, and his household and, and how everything starts to feel normal again. And he, he and his mom have, have reconnected and, and found common ground on on giving nick some freedom but nick uh making sure he's checking in with her making sure that they just they're communicating more and they're they're spending that time together to to work as a family and and have their own lives that come together and flow in in a nice balanced way uh but along with that he's he's getting back at it with both his original negatana and his mark ii tinkering with them who knows maybe he's possibly working toward another variation in a mark three somewhere down the line and and life is just kind of getting back to a good, happy place where home feels like home. And Uncle Terry comes over, and they all have a good time. And it's 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 a nice little little return for him, I think. Aw. And what's his? Uh, what did you roll for your low point? Yeah, uh, with low point, I had rolled a two, uh, which lists as a mild embarrassment, an amusing predicament, a change of plans, a thing that still nags at you, a looming threat. And I think among that list, the point that stands out to me is a thing that still nags at you. Mm-hmm. And even though everything has sort of come back together with his family, and he's he's sort of moved to a point where he, he doesn't feel like there's anything else he needs to find out about his dad. There isn't any mystery to solve or anything like that. That was always something that was really hanging over him throughout this year. But I think he still can't help himself from thinking about the stuff on the laptop mm-hmm. and every now and then he goes back in and he starts sort of delving through files and he he doesn't know what he's looking for but there's just 
something in the back of his brain that, like, he, he, he can't seem to just pack it up and put it away somewhere. There's always some lingering little curiosity, and he doesn't know what it's asking him to search for, but there's still something there that that kind of echoes in the back of his mind when, when his thought's quiet. Yeah, I love that. And I think maybe you return to the laptop every so often and dig through some of the files and try running different searches and algorithms to see what you can find. And it never really turns up anything, but you, you do it anyway, just sort of out of habit. And then one day you stumble across a message that you've never seen before. It's never come up in any of your other searches, and you realize the reason you've missed it is that the timestamp on it doesn't make any sense. According to the metadata, this message has been on this computer since before this computer existed, but also it was originally sent on a date that hasn't happened yet. It was sent from a Drow server, and it documents an experiment in which they opened a portal to another plane that exists not just outside of our world, but outside of our time stream, a reality beyond the fourth dimension. The message says they plan to investigate further, and you honestly can't tell if these tests already happened or if they take place sometime in the far future. But when you read the description of an incomprehensible expanse filled with shifting fractal patterns of energy, you remember exactly what that looks like because you remember accidentally opening a portal there yourself with your Negatana. And as you consider all the possibilities and ramifications of journeying, not just outside of space, but outside of time as well, you begin to idly wonder if you can figure out how to open that portal again. Elliot, what do we want to start with, high or low? Uh, I want to do a little bit of an interesting thing. I think my high and my low point might be the same event. All right. So tell us what you rolled, and we'll look at where that is on the table, and then you can describe this to me. Sure. Uh, So I rolled a three for my low point, uh, a mild embarrassment, an amusing predicament, a change of plans, a thing that still nags at you, a looming threat. Mm -hmm. And I rolled a five for my high point, a new friend, an old friend, reconnecting with your family, progress towards a goal, rebuilding, keeping at it. And I think these amusing predicaments that we find ourselves in involves the Esri Aid concert. Oh, very good. Mm. I think the way the, like, living situation worked out, Elliot ended up having to share a room with Ramona Nova. (laughs) And so that's that's the, like, change of plans, mild predicament... Uh, amusing thing. It's very odd couple. They really don't get along. They're off. They're fighting and they're bickering and that sort of thing. And they're like teasing each other. But I think uh, it comes around and they they form some more of a friendship than they had before. Uh, they realize that working together is much more productive than fighting each other, especially since Juliet is out of the way now. I think maybe Elliot discovers that Ramona doesn't have a lot of friends, like not real friends, mm-hmm. and uses that opportunity. Like I can see like a late night bonding session where they're like eating chips and staying up super late and talking about people they like or something like that. And can we get a little taste of that in character? Between oh, the yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hate the TV channels that you guys get in this dimension. They're so much better in popularity. There's so much more stuff on. Your music station barely even plays any music anymore. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I know. It's the worst. But if you stay up super late, they start talking about music videos and how bad they are. And the jokes they make are super not family friendly. All right. All right. Let's, I, 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 I feel you. 
You got, uh, have they ever done one of your videos? <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. You've given me a huge boost, but I don't think I've ever been that popular. I think she knows that you guys haven't recorded any music videos and, and is like smirking at you like like she's teasing you a little bit. <laughs> Wait, have they ever done one of my videos? And and it goes from a smirk to genuine concern. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, we have to. And she's like flipping through the channels and like, we, we have to find it. Is it on now? Where, where is it? Uh, I don't know. They just play whatever they feel like playing. Are you not familiar with the concept of, of live television? No, no. In in popularity, it's all like you can just watch whatever you want, whenever you want. Do you guys not have that here yet? It's it's oh man, it's so much more convenient. You just like pick any episode of any show. It's it's all it's all available all the time. Really? Yeah. Wow. I would never be upset with that, nor would I be bored, even if there were a million options. Yeah, no. You'd think that it would be so many choices that it just like. You know, you get bogged down with the fatigue <laughs> of having to choose out of infinite content, but but it's always really uh, simple and productive, and you always find exactly what you want. <sighs> it's always great, and there's no downside. <laughs> Amazing. I got to get out to Popularia next. I think she frustratedly turns off the TV after realizing that she can't just sum it up the episode that she's on. Um, and if she's not on TV, then what's the point in watching TV? <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad you said yes to this. I know... I mean, when I asked, I honestly didn't know what you would say. I know I haven't been the best to you in the past, and and I hope that, I don't know, I hope we're turning a corner. I think we are. You know, um, you're actually pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, but but like... not so bad yourself. Thanks. And I meant like your personality is cool. Ugh, don't tell anyone that. I have an image to maintain. <laughs> of course. Everyone knows that I'm ruthless. If it gets out that I'm like fun to hang out with and easy to get along with it, I'll never hear the end of it. I'll be fighting them off with a stick. Still, this is this is nice. I like this better than always being at each other's throats. And she goes to reach into the bag of chips um, and, and her hand meets empty chip bag and is like, did you eat the last of those? Okay, friends off again. You're dead to me. <laughs> she crumples up the bag and throws it at you. chester what are we starting with the high or the low i think we're going to go start with the high yeah what'd you roll so here's the thing i i I had the opportunity to roll four uh dice yeah you maxed out your legacy uh unfortunately somehow the highest i rolled was a two wild yeah that's the low end so from like the list of uh options that i have there i think i'm going to go with new opportunity yeah this was going to be a lot bigger if i had rolled better so i I, i'm going to set the scene uh it's kind of like on the hill uh, one of the higher points in, in the town. The one hill that the town has a view of for which it is named, Hillview. That's yes. correct, yes. Uh, and uh, up there is technically uh, an AM radio station. Uh, it is the one that, uh, you know, covers a good distance around. Uh, but it, it is just a local station. It, it's not even like, it's just an AM radio station. So... Where we see is Chester, it's kind of like in the the middle of the day. Chester uh, has like his one nice shirt that has been like recently ironed by Graham. He has his grandpa's old briefcase and uh, he's like 
you know, tries to, like, before he goes in, he's, like, licking his hand and, you know, making sure his hair looks as nice as it could be. And uh, he walks in. And there's not, like, a lot of people in there, uh, but he can see that there's the office uh, where the manager, uh, you know, works. And uh, he goes to the door and he knocks on the door frame. Uh, Mr. Habershan? Uh, yeah, that's that's me, I guess. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Habershan, <laughs> at your service. First name, don't have a use for one. Just, just Habershan will do. Wow, that, that's like, a, you know, Madonna or Sherry just can go by Habershan. Anyways, um, hi, uh, right, hold on a second. And he pulls out this, like, piece of paper and he unfolds it and he's like, Hello, my name is Chester Capone. I go to the local high school. I have been trying to get into broadcasting and I was uh, wondering if I could potentially become a radio DJ. Uh, as you can see, I have a lot of experience. Okay, wait, hold on a second. And he opens up the briefcase and it's a bunch of the cassette tapes of the Chester's Groove Station just like all collected in there. Um, Does he like open it the wrong direction so they spill onto the floor? Like he tries oh, to open yeah, it to like show them off like a stack of of thousand dollar bills, but it's it's the wrong side and it just they all fall out. They all fall out uh, and, and just like uh, Chester, oh no! And he starts uh, collecting them. Uh, oh sorry, oh sorry, I'll, I'll clean this up here. Let me find you a good one. Um, you sh- this is a great example of uh, how I would be a really good radio DJ. I think in um, this one. I, I talk about how I real I, I found out that there's a difference between a tortoise and a turtle. It oh man the the conversation I had with myself was a top notch. So you had it with with yourself. There's no uh, guest on this. It's just just you then. Yeah, it's usually just me. Sometimes I have guests, but that's hard to come by sometimes. Um, but I I'm willing to learn and put in the work, uh, sir. Whew. Well, kid, let me stop you right there. You you come in here in the middle of the work day. We we were I have to be on air. I didn't have to you didn't set up a meeting. You didn't call anyone. You sounded like you were reading off a sheet before you started reading off a sheet. And then once you started reading off the sheet, <laughs> oh boy, you have maybe the least charismatic vocal delivery of anyone I have personally ever heard. I I I fell asleep a little bit while you were giving your pitch there. Uh, you woke me up when all the tapes fell on the floor. Okay. That was what what did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, okay. you know, I felt myself fading again, so I'm glad it wrapped pretty sure. shortly after that. Um, okay. Listen, I don't know that you're cut out for this business, but we do have to fill a certain amount of airtime in any given 24-hour period or we sure. lose a lot of our funding in order to, you know, the, the government grants and whatnot. We have to, in order to qualify as a legitimate radio station, we got to fill a certain number of hours. And we do not have the money to pay the staff that it would take to, to fill that many hours. So if you're willing to volunteer, I can give you to the, the one to three spot. A.M. What? One to, the, th- the one to three? Oh, man. Tuesdays and Wednesdays def- to start. 
Tuesday soon. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, Mr. Haversham, this is the greatest decision that KRUM 990 has ever made. Don't you worry. <laughs> That's CRUM. We're a Canadian radio station. Come on now. Learn your call sign. That's your first task. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I just, like, looked at the sign real quick. I just did, like, a quick look at it. What and, are you, uh, from okay. the States or something? Get out of here. <laughs> oh, Okay. I'm just going to accept the good thing and I'm going to leave. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Haversham. Hey, kid. Yeah? And you, like, look back to see, like, oh, maybe he's going to toss you, like, a, a lanyard or a radio station shirt to give you your first, you know, like, you're officially a part of the crew. Uh, but he just gestures to, like, three cassette tapes that are still, like, they rolled <laughs> slid under his desk. He's like, get these out of here, please. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 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 okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, is is today Tuesday? Or I, okay. No, I'll find out myself. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, Chester, uh, you know, goes out the door, and outside, he he like starts like jumping for joy, pumping his fist and everything. And of course he still hasn't really latched up the briefcase. And so the tapes fall out again. Ah, oh no. <laughs> and he starts collecting them up. They're sliding um, down the side of the hill. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's, uh, that's what happens there. From there, he's going to go uh, celebrate. Uh, and, and he goes back into town. He's going to, uh, maybe head over to the gravel pits and like uh, meet up with his friends in the extra dimensional space. But as he goes, you know, he stops by the lo- uh, local radio shed. Uh, that's the <laughs> name of the place. That's the name of the uh, of, in this uh, timeline. Uh, yeah, for sure. In the, yes, it's it's named Radio Shed. And uh, he's like looking in the window. He's like looking at the other equipment because the thing is. You know, now he doesn't have his armor anymore. The armor is, uh, you know, not in his possession. And so right. if he's going to go back to slug blasting, he needs to get a, a hoverboard and he needs to get some sort of, you know, equipment to keep up with everybody. But he, uh, he like looks in and he sees this hard light board and he's like, I'm going to get you. Oh, Yeah. And then uh, that's his, uh, you know, low point. Uh, the fact that he has a change of plans because I uh, rolled a one. So it's like low stakes. You know, he lost his armor. Yeah, it's a but very mild low point. Yeah. You heard me was certain. Yeah. You were going to say he has to reapply for his position at the pizza place to get a hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is, this is better. This is good and hopeful. Love that, yeah. <laughs> dice is it for legacy four and finally angus uh what are we starting with we're gonna start with the low point uh i rolled one d6 and i rolled a one uh so much like some of the other players uh i have a mild embarrassment an amusing predicament a change of plans a thing that still nags at you a looming threat i think angus uh and also uh you know lena uh, kind of expected that he would uh, maybe get in a little more hot water over how recklessly he behaved at Miper headquarters. And I think that could be true. Like, I don't think it's necessarily that, like, you face zero consequences, but just that, like, whatever consequences you do face, um, they don't have that big of an impact on you. Maybe you, you do have some things you have to navigate through, yeah. but you're, like, 
you're up to the challenge. You're able to, you know, talk to probably some police at some point and uh, yeah. and probably some counselors. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's not the thing that like completely ends everything for you. It's it's a manageable challenge. And you know what? I feel like that does make sense that that's something that Angus could like roll with fairly easily. I I, I just think like. Part of him thinks this is really cool uh, the whole time. And so that kind of, like, fuels his motivation to be able to navigate these, like, somewhat complex situations. And I think a big part of it may be that you uh, had that whole, you went through an entire downtime arc where you sort of uh, were distanced from and then reunited with your mom and kind of learned to see things on each other's level. So, like, I think that's the key. If you hadn't gone through that arc and you were still in the Mm -hmm. position you were at the start... This would have been the thing that got you pulled out of school forever and come down on like yeah. you're, you're homeschooled for the rest of the time. You and your mom are at each other's throats. But because you kind of went through that all, even though there's cops asking after you and counselors worried about you and all kinds of heat coming down, your mom has your back through all of it. I love that. That makes so much sense. Uh, she's supporting him through this. And I think Garrett is supporting him through this as well. Yeah. Um, your mom's got your back and Garrett's got your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, while he's like navigating all this, you know, when things kind of got shook up with his family dynamic and his dad left, he he didn't really know how to emotionally process it. And he didn't really know how to find the support of his family. And now that he's in another situation where things are very tumultuous and, and kind of uh, uh, higher stakes... He has that support, and I, I, I like that that's the thing that makes all the difference for him. Um, so he can navigate, you know, talking to police and uh, MIPER lawyers. Uh, he can navigate talking to school counselors. The, the tricky thing for him is navigating talking to Patterchuk. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is maybe an agreement made uh, where part of Angus's community service or whatever is uh, maybe it's like a, a, an in-school suspension deal or something like that mm-hmm. uh, where he is pretty much under Patterchuk's watchful eye the whole time and maybe this is low-key an opportunity for Patterchuk to redeem himself because I feel like putting uh, the name of a 16-year-old minor uh, on blast might not be the best look maybe uh, yeah. <laughs> uh so you know Patterchuk has this task in front of him to redeem this troubled youth uh and angus has to do this if he wants to pass 10th grade and not be pulled out of schooling so his school days aren't really in a classroom with peers and uh, fellow teachers it's him and Patterchuk. And the very first time he goes into Patterchuk's office with the high window in the rain gutter, uh, water's pouring out because it's still spring and everything looks like crap. He sits down, casually, chill, taps his heel, and then goes, Oh, no. <laughs> you don't have those shoes anymore. I just realized. <laughs> Patterchuk uh, spins around in his chair like a Bond villain, and you realize that he must have been waiting like that um, for you to enter, and says, I seem to recall. Can I offer that his chair doesn't have wheels, and so he's just like scooting it inch by inch as he's talking? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's dragging. And the sound is so grating on Angus's ears. <laughs> I seem to, uh, I seem to recall. Uh, hang on. Uh, there we go. I seem to recall that you said you wouldn't be coming back to these little sessions. But oh, how the tables in my chair have turned. Looks like you're back here after all. And not just for a, a weekly check-in. No, no, no. You are my new full-time project i've i've set aside everything else honestly they don't they don't give me much to do around here so it's pretty easy to free things up uh but i have a little little bit of responsibility i've been given i have i have uh passed that all off and set that aside so that i can focus 100 percent of my time on rehabilitating you i know that slug blaster and that that terrible hobby has done some things to you and has led you to some dark places but angus I'm not giving up on you, buddy. We're going to get through this. We're going to get you to a point where you can re-enter society. (laughs) And throughout all of this, a slow look of horror has gone over (laughs) Angus's face. As maybe for the first time, he's heard every complete sentence from Patterchuck at normal speed. (laughs) And realizes this is the next... How much time till summer? Nine weeks-ish? <laughs> oh, perfect. Patterchuck's <laughs> like, well, let's get to work. And he goes to dial in the radio. Hope you don't mind if I put on some tunes. My uh, my brother uh, is, is a DJ over at the AM radio station. People say we sound a lot alike, but we have very distinct voices. We sound, we're two different people, and his, his voice isn't just a milder version of what I'm doing. It's its, its own thing. Uh, took his wife's name, Hammer something. I don't keep track. <laughs> you don't keep track of your So uh, Angus has a really uh, uh, difficult time, and I feel like maybe he's a little, he's he's even more blunt and short-tempered because he doesn't have this opportunity to fast forward. Like, um, not being able to use the skip modes is is proving to be a little bit harder than he thought, especially with this uh, amusing predicament in which he finds himself. Um, I do think that most of his downtime, if he ever has a moment to himself, you know, where he doesn't have to uh, have meetings with people or do extra schoolwork or, you know, uh, occasionally setting aside time for, you know, actually spending time with his family, I think a lot of his time is spent in that quantum hangout. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels, I think, like a like a safe place for him. And I think maybe there's something about, like, the fact that he's, like, he's never fast-forwarded there before, and it just feels like time flows normally there, and it's kind of meant to. I love that. That's mm-hmm. great. Uh, and for my high point, what do we um, roll? I rolled 46, and I got a 6. Living the dream, fame, popularity, money, contributed to science, complete happiness, doing what you love most. Doing what you love, you get what you wanted most. I think Angus is going to take a solo trip one day, maybe right before school's about to end. He goes to Thenispar, to the Arborist Temple, to have a chat with the High Forester. I think Ronnie shows you in. The temple is, I think, maybe the busiest you've seen it because you kind of caught it at a couple of like, you know, th- there have been times you've been there when when it's been empty. 
Uh, there have been times you've been there where they've been very angry at you, but you haven't had a chance to just sort of see it like day-to-day functioning as it's supposed to. So there's like, yeah, arborists, mm-hmm. robed, thinnest Spartan figures, you know, moving around and and uh, hustling from place to place. And, and there's maybe someone up on a stage like delivering some sort of address and a crowd that are, are sitting nearby and paying rapt attention and stuff. And you're sort of hustled through this, this bustling uh, community here. Um, but you also notice as you go through that like a lot of the arborists there in attendance have like like scrapes and and bruises and stuff from the the battle in Prismatia. Like a lot of them are looking a lot worse for wear, and you can see that like some of the activity is mm-hmm. like mending robes and re uh, configuring devices and stuff. Um, but you're hustled through to that same back office where you first talked to him uh, and welcomed in by the High Forester. Hello, Mister Franklin. Uh, I must say I wasn't expecting you today. Is there what 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 Brings you to Thenispar. I want to do more. Do more? Well, I'm still pretty new to your language, but it seemed like that sentence didn't have a a thing that it was about. It just sort of stopped in the middle. <laughs> Is that how can sentences do that? Do more what? Everything. Ever since I started this, ever since I've gone out into the multiverse and and made friends with the people in my life right now and and done slug blasting it's it's always felt bigger than me bigger than anything i could ever do but i can also only do so much and what if another tristan voss comes along or, or or I mean anything there's so much that still I need to know and so much that I need to see and so much that I need to do I this is my life slug blasting is my life and I want to be the best damn slug blaster there ever was and I think I need your help to do that you you speak a lot of wisdom Yikes. <laughs> Sorry. To have it. Do you know what impresses me most about you and, and your friends and, and the, the, the community that you're a part of, the Slug Blasters? We, we as the Arborists, we shepherd entire dimensions, entire societies into the light of the multiverse. We help them slowly and carefully learn about this this truth of the universe that it's so much bigger than they ever could have known and that they are but one facet of an endless an endless sprawling multiverse and and that needs to be done so carefully and so tediously just to make sure that that when that truth is finally learned that everyone's ready to accept it and doesn't reject it or exploit it or well we've we've seen what can happen and but then there's there's all of you. You are just a bunch of kids, and you are faced with this this knowledge, this truth, and you just you just take it as it is. And, and not only do you accept it, you you thrive in it. You you go out and you explore and you you learn and you make mistakes. But ultimately, you you celebrate the, every aspect, and it's it's never ceases to amaze me just just how quickly you all can can take that in and and 
accept that truth. And I think if you're willing to to put in the work and and do your part, we'd we'd be lucky to have you. I am. Honestly, everything you said makes perfect sense to me. I have never been good at taking my time with things. I imagine the cadence of my voice and my general manner of speaking is probably pretty grating to you, being someone who can't stand moving <laughs> slowly. Ah, I... oh, well. <laughs> I can get used to it, I think. So what does this look like for Ang- like Angus is essentially volunteering to join the order here? Yeah, and he wants to do the untethering. That was what I was wondering. Um, so that's mm-hmm. an it was presented to you a few episodes back um, as an opportunity. Basically, part of becoming an arborist involves severing your connection to your home plane, the thing that pulls at you when you're in other dimensions and rips you back violently when you get in over your head. And in doing that, you will be free to roam and, and walk the multiverse Um more so, like, you, you don't need your, your device. You don't need to hit a certain uh, sweet spot. You, you have uh, broader abilities. You can, uh, I mean, mechanically in the game, you can roll to access other dimensions. But narratively, it's more of a, you, you can see and sense the fabric of the, of the multiverse and, and slip through the cracks uh, in ways that you never could before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I think that that ritual happens to do does angus like invite the other members of weird gravity to that or is this something he does in private i i feel like he might invite them okay in like maybe a group text situation where he's like untethering this time (laughs) uh then yeah let's leave it up to the group who shows up to that oh absolutely lake shows up for her her boyfriend aw yeah nick will come elliot shows up i'm not sure if chester can Oh, like if he can get there without a hoverboard? Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably the kind of thing where, like, at least for this one time, like, someone can, can piggyback you over if, if it's important you to You can Chester. borrow Camrys. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Chester will be there. Uh, Angus, you you take your place in the uh, in the darkened temple. I feel like sometimes the temple is very, like, warm and bright and full of life and full of energy but it can also be a somber sort of place when it needs to be and and this is a a bit of a more somber affair but there's like a pool of light that you step into at the center of the room um and you look out into the those gathered in attendance which include a lot of arborists uh but also your your four crew members and also as you look out uh you see another person that you invited to to be in attendance someone that you formed a bit of a connection with you where you were put into a position where this is a person that you might not have spent a lot of time with but due to circumstances beyond your control you ended up spending some time with them and and formed a bit of a connection and you asked them to be here today Uh, and you see a figure toss back a very old worn looking arborist hood and Graham Capone is is smiling (laughs) out at you from the crowd oh yay (laughs) and the high forester raises that same dagger that you found in the temple in Empyrean that you recovered for them. Um, I think it's probably like like an archaeological find at this point and probably isn't their day-to-day dagger. <laughs> it's not the, it's not the, yeah. the weekday <laughs> dagger. Um, but for yeah. this special occasion, he's, he's agreed uh, to, for, to its use here. And I think he, he has also agreed to perform this ritual 
personally, which is maybe not always the case that like the high forester, it's like the, the Pope doesn't do everyone's baptism, but, um, <laughs> but in this case, he wanted to see to it personally and he raises it up, but you're, you're not afraid. Uh, and as it comes down, it comes almost through you. Um, you, you feel it, but it doesn't feel like pain and, and you feel that connection sever, but you also feel in the same moment that the connection severs, you feel an infinite number of other connections that are, that are sort of just outside your reach. You, you can sense them all now. You can feel all of these possibilities and all of these planes and dimensions and cracks between them. And you, you're suddenly aware of, of all of it. Um, and you feel all of it at once, this, this sense of, of being plugged into this larger, larger world. Now that we've seen what happens to each character in those remaining months, I want to uh, do our last step here, which is the crew epilogue. So in the rulebook here, it says, uh, finally, what happens to the crew? The thing you are a part of that is bigger than yourselves, bigger than any one member. Answer these questions as a group. And we're going to go through them as in order here. Keep in mind, this is like a shorter epilogue, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the whole story of Weird Gravity. But for this this period of time, immediately after your first big campaign here, sort of what happens uh, in the in the aftermath. So first up, what is that one epic story everyone tells about your crew? The Guts has final say. Uh, I think it's either the fact that we brought down a giant Silicon Valley tech company and got to be the cover story on Slug Blaster Magazine about it, issuing, <laughs> uh, ushering in a whole new era of eco-friendly negafriction uh, used the, the multiverse over, and or mm-hmm. uh, the fact that on New Year's Eve, we saved our small town. And so, like, maybe it's people in Hillview know us for the New Year's Eve thing uh, and everyone else in the multiverse know us for the Miper thing. I like that a lot because the people in Hillview would have those specific stories of, like, yeah, remember the time that uh, the the slugs came into the Marsden basement and, and Lake with just one shot of a reality cannon and brought down all the nanites and Chester punched a hyper hornet in the face and, like, they have, like, specific memories of that, whereas anyone who might not have that direct connection to us knows us more from the Miper thing. Yeah, and I think out there in the multiverse, like, it, it's taken on a bit of a life of its own that, that you're the crew that, like, mm-hmm. toppled this. Because, like... You guys know personally that as as much as your efforts had, you know, real tangible uh, or created real tangible change like that, you know, that they, they uh, revised a lot of their policies and did some outreach and whatnot. But like it also didn't topple the company. Miper is is not only still going, but uh, worth more than it was before. They've they've managed to not only bounce back from this, but capitalize it on it as any large corporation does with atrocities. They, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> can't seem to to ever make that stick. But but nonetheless, you, you had real impact here. And I think where people in Hillview, maybe it like over time is like, yeah, whatever. I know that like they, the old CEO quit or was fired and uh, Miper's still the one that makes the phones um, out in the multiverse. It kind of takes on more of a uh, folk legend quality um, that you guys are, are, the slug blasters that took down the big corporation and pushed back against the man. Nice. What is that one perfect memory none of you will ever forget? The chill has final say. I want us to have a beach episode. (laughs) I want us to go on a, a big trip to Popularia 
uh, courtesy of Ramona Nova. She she somehow gets us, secures us uh, portal access there. Mm-hmm. And maybe she has a big beach house. And we all go there and have a fun day swimming and and doing tricks in the sand. I think being back in Popularia also lets us reminisce a little bit about our time at Multipalooza, mm-hmm. where, yeah. where everyone sort of came together to, to get Elliot the spot on stage, and then we had the whole thing with the crash course, and then the, the, the kaiju hologram, and good good fun party days, and, <laughs> and rem- remember good times, too. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, the, the first time, uh, while certainly eventful, was also like, yeah, I didn't really get a chance to just like have a fun beach time so you get to both relive your glory days and and also have the uh the beach episode you were you were that was always tantalizingly out of reach (laughs) (laughs) what did the crew contribute to the sport of slug blasting the smarts has final say i think as uh something that was sort of mentioned before was uh, the idea of uh, taking the weird way and the, the route that we sort of established or that weird gravity established to get to empyrean I think that has really opened that up as a dimension that people can go and explore and, and adventure and slug blast around. And I know it, it wasn't like deserted. There were ruins from arborist uh, uh, activity there before, but it's really sort of revitalized the the exploration of that dimension and also like the, the research in a, in a very environmentally stable way of, of trying to figure out where we can sort of push to the farther reaches of the multiverse and see maybe there's going to be somewhere even further beyond that they can go through from Empyrean. Yeah, and I think it's it's the kind of thing where, like, it was largely inaccessible to a lot of dimensions, and once you found your one way in, other people started using it and then finding other ways in and out that, like, as soon as, you know, the more people that go there, the more routes are discovered, and pretty soon it's you know, still the weird way is the famous one uh, that you guys have discovered, but there's there's uh, more and more routes in and out and it becomes less walled off to the larger community. And like you say, that opens doors to there's more ways in and out. There's more routes to potentially even further reaches of the multiverse because Empyrean was very much at the far edge of your map. But thanks to you guys, who knows what's next? Heck yeah. Does the crew stay together, break up, live on with new members? What part of the crew's legacy endures the longest? The grit has final say. Now again, this is like a shorter term thing. This is, we're not following you guys into adulthood, but I still I like the idea of like in the immediate aftermath of this. This was kind of the the thing that was bringing you all together was the Miper contract and then the subsequent taking down of Miper. And I think there is a bit of a moment after that is done where like the thing you guys were all about as a crew is is over. You've resolved your big task of taking down Miper. Um, and even the, you know, the previous tasks of like trying to get discovered, trying to get noticed, trying to get a sponsorship, like you've kind of done a lot of that. Uh, so I think there is a, a bit of a moment here where like, there might be a question of, does the crew continue on? Is there, is there a reason to keep going? Uh, and, and is that reason felt by everybody? I'd like to hear a reason why not to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Lake's all in. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in that short interim, I don't think that there would be you know, anything to, to break us up because uh, nobody's like necessarily made it big. Like Elliot is still touring and everything, but, you know, I, I don't think that there's any reason for a weird gravity to, to break up yet. I could see after taking down Miper, um, maybe we go on a longer than usual break or maybe we only go on like one run from April to, you know, 
the start of the summer. Mm-hmm. We don't break up or anything and we're still friends and we hang out all the time, maybe at Lake's, you know, uh, club that she's established. But the going at it, slug blasting has like eased up for a little bit just so we can basically recharge our batteries. Yeah, fo- focus I on ourselves. Nick's at least grounded for a couple weeks here, so... He's not going anywhere <laughs> yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea that it's like, yeah, a combination of like, some of you are in a lot of trouble. Some of you are founding clubs and uh, starting starting movements. Uh, some of you are trying to scrape together enough money to, to recover some gear and, and even be able to slug blast. And some of you are uh, being watched like a hawk by Mr. Patterchuk. And then on top of all of that, <laughs> it's the end of the year and you all have like, tests and finals and things that you're dealing with. like so this as much as the climactic adventure didn't time out exactly with the end of the year it actually times out with like oh now we have like the one part of school that we have to take the most seriously so yeah i love that maybe that that results in kind of a weird hiatus that maybe no one intends but is just sort of naturally occurs and then there's a moment in you know the first week of summer where you guys all get together again Maybe at Infinite Pizza, maybe at, at the the clubhouse at Lake's new uh, pocket dimension there in the gravel pits. And it, it has this energy of sort of almost a reunion because it's like you've all seen each other at school and you all have your various pairings. I'm sure Lake and Angus have seen more of each other and whatnot. Um, but it's like mm-hmm. the first time you've all kind of been back together as Weird Gravity in a while. And maybe everyone kind of has that lingering question of like, what are we as a crew now that we don't have this big thing we need to do? But sure enough... The minute you all start talking, someone brings up the fact that, like, you know where we actually never went on a run? Calorium. Like, we never, we got to all the other ones, but we never went to Calorium. And then uh, it's all anyone can talk about, and you all start planning portal routes and, and figuring out the way there, and, and you slip back into that old rhythm instantaneously. And, and That phase dragon's got another thing coming. <laughs> and finally... Do any of you still hang out? If not, when was the last time you were all together? Did you know it was the last time the heart has final say? Uh, yeah, I think exactly as you described in that last one. Uh, we all get together at that at the clubhouse, top of the summer. We start making plans for Quahalia. We start making plans for this beach, you know, the beach day. Yeah. So yeah, I think the the answer to this is is yes. And so we just see a montage of uh, all of us in the clubhouse. Nick is working away at the the lab station. Uh, Elliot's tuning her guitar in a chair next to Chester eating uh, a big old cheesesteak. Lake is standing at the bottom of a half pipe as uh, Angus finishes a trick. Um, And uh, maybe they uh, they embrace and smooch and we see the the whole operation. Everybody's just like living their best life in the clubhouse, in the Hillview Slug Blasting Association. Beautiful. And the camera sort of pulls back from the scene of, of the five of you all all doing your thing and, and prepping for future runs uh, and sort of slips out through a crack in the dimensional fabric and, and tilts slightly and, and suddenly where we saw this expansive clubhouse, now there's just a big empty gravel pit uh, and it keeps zooming back and out uh, and we see this quaint little town uh, with this one hill next to it in the middle of a giant <laughs> expanse of flat wheat fields. With a big uh, listen to C-R-U-M-A-M billboard in the distance. (laughs) And fade to white, I guess. Because fade to black feels ominous. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Pan up to the sky. Amazing. That concludes season one of Quantum Kickflip. I'd love to just go around the virtual table here one more time and and sign off. Um, 
Sign off in the order of how excited you are for season two. I'm Lena. <laughs> I'm Liam. I'm Michael. Vetch. I'm Dave. I'm Glenna. And I've Wait, been your so host. Was it in the order of like least excited to most excited, or is it from most? To, you didn't. I feel it like was a it was trick. Like, ask. We're all equally excited. <laughs> Everybody, say your names at the same time. <laughs> I've been your slug master. I'm Robin. Goodbye. <laughs>